is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There's, that's, that's it. One more. Get it around. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. We... Are back, ladies and gentlemen, for a new show of the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what's up, man? Very interesting weekend. I actually saw my brothers alone. Not, my parents did not go to this. My brothers all got together. I actually met some of my uh, my brother Ryan, his, his some of his roommates in his apartment for the first time. One of them, Ben, was particularly kooky. We had a lot of weird conversations uh, regarding a lot of different things, all crazy stuff. But nice guys. We I actually went to this bar during the Mets game, game two, that actually served these about two-foot beers, which were the oh. equivalent of three beers. They called them yard beers because the place was called Yard House. So they're allegedly supposed to be a yard tall, which was very interesting. We went to a brunch during the Giants game, an outdoor brunch, which was kind of interesting, and then walked around for quite a while on Monday and really tired me out. But pretty good weekend overall. Hope your travels was very safe as well. By the way, I went to Virginia. Me and my girlfriend drove down to Virginia. It was a long, long drive. Eight and a half hours uh, going there and on the way home, nine and a half hours because uh, Post Malone was doing a concert, I think, at Madison Square Garden and the Jet game. So uh, it was an amazing Jet game. And if you're a Jet fan, I'm sure you're very excited. If you're a Giant fan, I think you're even more excited yeah. to see them pull off a win over there in England. So a lot to talk about, but uh, it was great. I had an opportunity to, uh, to go down to Virginia and uh, family friend. Uh, Frankie Rosati, uh, I was there. I DJed a little bit at his wedding and uh, had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with his new wife and got a chance to meet his uh, his child. Uh, it's the first time I actually met his kid uh, because when she was born, Charlie, uh, Charlie May, when she was born, I wasn't around. So uh, he, I've known Frankie since he was three years old. And, wow. Um, you know, watched him grow up as the Frank Footer, and now he has a he has a father, he has a house, he's living he's living at large in Virginia, in the mountains, really with the sticks. But uh, got a chance to check out Virginia, check out some of the Civil War areas of where nice. war was. Washington, uh, George Washington was, and Abraham Lincoln was. So, got really had the opportunity to check out a lot of different things. So. It uh, was very fun, very interesting, but uh, driving home was not the best, that's for sure. Uh, it was a long drive, but uh, really had the opportunity to check out the jet game while I was driving. No, ladies and gentlemen, I was not driving when I was watching the jet game, but <laughs> I have a nice big iPad. I have the NFL Network package, and I had the opportunity uh, to check out the jet game uh, against Miami. Uh, and and obviously early in the morning, 
checked out the Giants knocking off the uh, Green Bay Packers. So at 7.30, we'll be talking to Draft Countdown, Countdown Managing Partner and Analyst Shane Hallman. Uh, he's been on the show uh, a little while ago. Uh, he will be joining us again. He, he enjoyed coming on our show the first time, so he's coming on again, ladies and gentlemen. And a very... Good friend of the show. Uh, he's been on the show numerous amount of times. Yep, this is number four for him. Uh, we will be talking to creator of MLB Daily Dingers and writer and editor Matt Musico. Uh, Elite Sports New York, by the way. Yes, previously of, mes- previously of Metsmerized. Now he's with Elite Sports New York. So happy to have him on. I'm sure he has his own thoughts on the New York Mets offseason as they get knocked out of the playoffs in the wild card game against the San Diego Padres. Let's just call it Mets, Mets vent session later. Well, I, I'm sure Not you for Mets you, fans. but for him and I. Listen, I feel bad for the Mets fan. I really do. If you are a Mets fan and, and you're sitting here today and you're wondering what can the Mets do in the offseason to make this team a championship competitive team, I don't think they need to make that many moves. I think they're right there. I think they're a bat and maybe a pitcher away from being that. So I, I know a lot of Mets fans are upset, uh, expected to go further and, and win the division and maybe face the Phillies like the uh, Atlanta Braves are facing them right now and eating their words before the series started because a lot of Atlanta Braves thought this was going to be an easy series. And the Phillies have something else to uh Show them. I'll give you credit on that one. Good call on the Phillies. I was never high on them. You were saying last month, watch out for them. The reason why I say watch out for them is is obviously the transition of coaches, managers, and then the way they played under Thompson after Girardi got fired. I I think you see the difference of the way the team is playing. Uh, They made a couple of big moves at the trade deadline, adding Robertson, adding some bats. And you see the difference of this team. They're playing for their coach, and, and, and they're playing as a team. And you see the difference. Bryce Harper came back in the middle of the lineup, and that gave him a little spark. And you see a difference of this team. So uh, I, think, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity right now for the Braves to be shocked and, and be knocked out by a Philadelphia Phillies team that nobody expects to win this year. So – um, the Braves did it last year. Why can't the Phillies do it this year? So that was just my thought going into the playoffs. It, my surprise team. And I was fighting with, by the way, I was fighting with Josh. He said, you said the Cardinals. I said, wait a second. I said, I have a lot of hope in the Cardinals going all the way to the World Series. I said, my surprise team was the Phillies. Ask Speedy. I've been saying The Cardinals really. are actually my pick, too, ironically. So. But, uh, you know, the Cardinals got knocked out. That's what happens, man. Yeah, that's sports. That's, you know, playoff baseball. So, as we see. Um, we will get into Mets elimination by the Padres. And the Yankees go up one to nothing in their series against the Cleveland Guardians. So, uh, we will get into that in just a few moments. Araldis Chapman left off the Yankees roster after missing a mandatory meeting and workout. Let me tell you something. Aroldis Chapman is done as a New York Yankee. He is absolutely done. And for the 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 thought of any Yankee fan sitting here today thinking that he is going to make a difference in that rotation as far as the bullpen is concerned, he has been horrific all season long. And he's not the same pitcher he was when the Yankees brought him in. So, Yankee fans, relax. It, it, it's not the end of the world. 
I think what we see right now with the Yankees is this bullpen, uh, obviously Teon and, and the guys that they've added in, in the rotation from, from the rotation to the bullpen is so very important. Herman, these guys are going to play a big part if the Yankees have any chance to move forward against Cleveland with their strong bullpen and then obviously have to play Houston. By the way, congratulations to the Houston Astros. Oh, boy. Coming back from a win, you know, coming back from a game like that when Seattle was just torturing them throughout the game. Verlander looked like crap. And, uh, you know, he got saved by his team and his lineup, which is so, has so much depth. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, video surfacing that Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole uh, in a face-to-face Warriors practice. So I am not surprised. Jordan Poole, who is expecting a big contract uh, going into this offseason, uh, it, it's probably going to ha- Did it happen yet? No, no but, but Draymond wants one too. <laughs> well, Draymond's going to be gone. Jordan Jordan Poole is the future of that organization. He is sensational, and if anybody didn't check out that unbelievable move that he made in uh, the preseason game, I forget who against who, uh, the back, you know, the back, I, I don't know what you call it, the fake Regardless, backdoor Draymond's dribble, <laughs> and just that layup was fantastic. Regardless, Draymond's jealous. He could never do that. <laughs> yeah, The beef's on, so we'll, we'll get into the Mets in just a few moments. Devontae Adam charged with a misdemeanor assault charge after shoving the cameraman. He apologizes to the cameraman after it happened. Oh, what an absolute debacle. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say anything about Devontae Adams except – the guy is a complete ass. He is a complete, utter ass. Okay? It, I don't know how anybody could sit here today and say that they like Devontae Adams. Since he's gone to the Las Vegas Raiders, he has been nothing but a big mouth, uh, really uh, egotistical idiot. Okay? He, he has been... As bad as Josh McDaniels has been as a head coach. Welcome to the folklore of Raiders wide receivers. Henry Ruggs, Darius Hayward Bay. Who's next? Devontae Adams. Uh, The Panthers firing Matt Rule also owe him about $12 million on his contract. This man absolutely robbed. Absolutely robbed the Carolina Panthers. $67 million. Seven years, $67 million. What a joke. <laughs> Absol- Everybody was talking about how great he's going to be for Carolina, that the, the Jets lost out on him, the Giants lost out on him. My brother wanted him on the Giants. Oh, I remember that. What a debacle. And the Jets, yes, the New York Jets blow out the Miami Dolphins 40-17, to and the Giants upset the Packers in London 27-22, and we will get into our Week 5 recap at the end of the show. So why don't we get into it before we get uh, our first guest on uh, at, uh, you know, 7.30. Draft Countdown Managing Partner and Analyst Shane Hallam. Um, let's get into the Mets and the absolute, I don't know what you call it. I wouldn't say debacle. because I, Honestly, I know Mets fans are upset. They're very upset about losing to the Padres in a wild card series. And everybody thought that the Mets should have won the division. And they completely choked the last three weeks of the season. But the Atlanta Braves were the hottest team in baseball throughout the second half of the season. They were absolutely fantastic. And for anybody to sit here and say 
that the Mets collapsed against a bad team or a team that wasn't worthy enough to win the division, well, I guess you weren't watching the Braves in the second half of the season. The the team barely lost. Their lineup is uh, unbelievable. They have so much depth. And by the way, they didn't have their star second baseman the whole second half of the season in Albies. Acuna did not have one of those great seasons that you expected. What was he batting? 266? 15 home runs? This is a guy that everybody thinks is the best center fielder, arguably the best player, outfielder in all of the major leagues. And that, that, that bullpen and that rotation, what the Braves really showed in the second half of the season, they were completely dominant. Completely dominant. And they've, they found a pitcher in their farm system that they were not going to call up. They brought him up, and he was the hottest pitcher in baseball. Figure that one out. I know Met fans are sitting here today and saying they choked. That Shane, I'm sorry, Steve Cohen needs to go out in the offseason and open up his pockets. I disagree. I really, I really do. They need to re-sign Brendan Nimmo. He's one of the more underrated center fielders in baseball. He's probably going to win the gold glove in center field for the National League. He had a great season. He was hitting. He was playing the field. He has a pretty good arm. I really believe Bassett in the second half of the season choked. They definitely have to decide what they're doing with Bassett. Maybe they decide to part ways with him. Jacob DeGrom is a very important piece to this rotation. I don't want to hear from Mets fans. Walk away from him. Don't pay him. This guy... Is a great pitcher. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yes, did he die down in the second half of the season? He wasn't healthy. He's never healthy. But still, even though he is not healthy, he's still one of the top five pitchers in baseball. Steve Cohen has the money. You pay him. You don't find a pitcher. They don't grow on trees. I know Mets fans are crying the river right now because Max Scherzer did not pitch very well in game number one in the wild card series. Max Scherzer hasn't been healthy the whole second half with the lat injury. I told Met fans when they signed this guy, he is a fantastic pitcher, Hall of Famer, first ballot. The man is 38 years old. He's barely been hurt in his almost 20 years of playing baseball. Now, I could sit here today and go back and forth and attack the Mets organization. I won't do that. And by the way, Mets fans got to lay off on Buck Showalter. Lay off on him. This man helped your team win 101 games in the National League East. Now, Buck is not... A good playoff coach. He's not. Manager, coach, whatever you want to call him. He's just not. That does not mean you can't win with Buck Showalter. Their two pitchers were not healthy. Jacob DeGrom pitched a gem in game number two. He did. 
It wasn't Jacob DeGrom's fault that they did not win game number three or game number one. Jake did what he needed to do to win game number two. Does he deserve a contract? Absolutely. Will I pay him Max Scherzer money? I don't know. Do I give him a four- or five-year deal? That's up to Steve Cohen. It's not my money. It's Steve's. This team needs to add another power bat in the middle of the lineup. They need to help Pete Alonso out. Maybe Bell, when he becomes available from the Padres in the offseason, that is a bat they can absolutely, absolutely add to the middle of the lineup, pay him $140, $130 million a year, give him a four- or five-year deal. He'll take it. You put him in the middle of that lineup with Pete Alonso. There, you added your bat. You need bullpen help. It has been the weakest part of this team, really, for the last 10 years. For some reason, the New York Mets, the Amazings, they found their closer. And by the way, Diaz shed the light at the end of that game, at at the end of that series. He said, the clock is ticking for the New York Mets. Because when the offseason begins, there will be teams linking up with his agent. This is the best closer right now in baseball. He has been the best closer throughout the season. 28 years old, he is going to get five years, six years. He's still fairly very young. He's going to get 100. He's going to approach $100 million. I mean, Steve Cohen needs to figure this out. Epler needs to open up and reach out to the agent and get this done before the season's over. I I don't know why Met fans are so upset. This was a great season for them. If I was a Met fan, after going, what did they win? 70 games last year? 76? 77, I think, because they collapsed badly in the second half that year. They won 30 more games this year. 30! Do you know how hard it is to win 30 more games the season after? A 76-win season? That's fantastic. That's an upgrade. Next year, I expect the Mets to be in the World Series. This year, it could have went both ways. And baseball, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. If the Mets played the Phillies, they probably still would have lost. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't matter who they were going to play. It's all about matchups. And it just so happened they matched up against a Padre team with a rotation as good. And by the way, uh, Musgrove was fantastic. Yeah, yeah he, Musgrove, he, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He was, and by the way, I am not going to take shots at Buck Showalter on him, you know, sending the umpires to, uh, you know, the pitcher's mound to question what he had on his ears or whatever. Yeah. I mean, obviously... The spin rate was a little more than usual. He was just pitching well. He just, he was in the zone. We've seen pitchers. Look, Garrett Cole, he didn't have one of those fantastic games yesterday, but he was in the zone. He really was. That was the best game I've seen Garrett Cole pitch for the Yankees the whole season. He really, he really was fantastic. I know everybody's going to say, well, he had eight strikeouts. He gave up one run. One in seven innings. 
That's what you want from your ace. He might have not been all in it to win it. He never is. But he won the game. You play to win the game, like Herm Edwards said. He's playing the game right now because he's he's probably going to uh, sue Arizona State, but that's a whole other yeah, story. Yeah, as he should. But <laughs> I, I think if you're a Met fan right now, Speedy, you should be very happy about what you watched this year. Well, yeah, it's definitely a season that, again – Top to bottom, you definitely have to say, is something that the Mets have not had in a while when it comes to a regular season, when it comes to a team that deep and something like that. The problem is, again, the collapse, the way they did it. It wasn't exactly the Padres game, the individual series, or the Braves series, the individual series. It was all the other teams they lost to before that, the Cubs, the Pirates, all those bad teams. That's what hindered them more because the Braves were hot, and and the Mets knew that kind of thing going in. I just hope this kind of thing is not going to be a recurring thing because the Mets did collapse the year before, too, when they were up at the All-Star break. They were doing well. They actually played better when everyone was hurt. So I hope that's that kind of thing is a recurring thing. Now, the other big concept of this when it comes to this series is there's a difference between a star power team with talent and a playoff identity. And the Mets lack that kind of thing when it comes to a playoff identity. You were talking about the bullpen. I was very mm-hmm. critical of that at the trade deadline. They really they had spurts where they showed up, but it wasn't like had any trustworthy guys at that point. But the starters, again, they had to trust an old-school identity in order to do it. And when and Max Scherzer had the troubles the way he did. Chris Bassett had the troubles the way he did. Buck did all he could to manage that bullpen. But, again, it's still kind of hard when you don't have a lot of lefties. You don't have a lot of depth in general. And they kept having to use Lugo a lot. They kept having to use Trevor May a lot. And it was just too much for those guys all at once. And mm-hmm. eventually it just added up that way. And they got seven runs in that game three. They got six runs and in game one. And the other thing, too, is depth. The, the, the Mets were supposed to have all this depth, and they did not show up. Guess whose depth showed up? That was the Padres. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Soto and Machado that were owning them. It was Josh Bell. It was Trent Grisham. It was Jerks and Profar. A lot of those guys were the ones that are that were hurting them, and that's where the Mets, I thought, had some kind of depth and some kind of chance to be able to make that work, but they could not find a way to do that. And Max Scherzer, I actually thought that was the worst game of him pitch sequencing I ever saw. Like, yeah, his stuff is great, but you can't rely on that all the time. He kept throwing the fastball, the first home run to Bell in game one. He threw the same pitch twice in a row, which I didn't like, and then the slider, too, he kept overusing when it wasn't working. So just a lot of things that ended up being very costly. I'm with you on Buck. I don't think he get, deserves all the blame, but he, as an old-school manager, you do have to make some adjustments to a modern game. We've seen Dusty Baker do that in Houston. We've seen Joe yep. Madden do that. That's the next step for Buck. I don't think his management was awful, but, it, it, again, he's got to be able to do that with a new playoff identity. He was lost for words. At the end of the game when the press interviewed him, and I understand how Buck feels. I understand that he's all – and believe it or not, Buck is a player's coach. He is. With the New York Yankees in the 90s, he was a player's coach. Anybody that thinks Buck is a mean guy, it's crazy. Everybody respects throughout the league – Everybody respects Buck Showalter. The guy's 80 years old, and he's still a manager. The guy knows the game. He's never won. He's built teams. He built the Yankees. He built, obviously, Texas, and he's, he's built Arizona. Everywhere he went, he built those teams. Baltimore. Ask Manny Machado what Buck did for his career. Every one of these guys know Buck Showalter is a player's coach. It just so happens in the big game, in, in, in positioned to win the game, he just comes up flat. And that, that obviously happens to all the good coaches, all the good managers in professional sports. Unfortunately, it, it, it hurts the Mets in, the very, in a very big 
you know, big time where you expect the coach and the manager to help you take that next step to win a championship. And also, and also the way the roster structured too. Yes, you, you make, it makes it very tough to be able to run that kind of creative identity because you need different concepts to work. Yes, you still need power. Yes, you still need some level of yes. defense and stuff like that. But still, what it is is the Mets really had one identity when it came to their starting pitching and their lineup, which is supposed to have more than one identity, really didn't show that kind of thing. And they need to make adjustments to that kind of thing. And you're right. I don't think it's a money issue that they're going to have to deal with this offseason. Now they're going to have to try to keep as many players as they can. They have a lot of free agents, a lot of their starting rotation, a lot of their bullpen in particular. Nimmo, like you mentioned, a big hitter in that lineup. And they're going to have to replace some of these pitchers, and they're not going to be able to do them all. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, game number one, Aaron Judge did not have those that game. He he didn't play well in game number one. Remember, when you're not playing for a week, it's all timing. His timing was off. Giancarlo Stanton's timing was off. I'll tell you one player that his timing wasn't off. That was Anthony Rizzo. Yep. Anthony Rizzo had one of his best games as a New York Yankee. He put the Yankees on his shoulder defensively, offensively, he did everything you expect your star first baseman to do. And for all the people out there that wanted Freeman, wanted all these other guys to play first base for the New York Yankees, if this team goes to the World Series and possibly wins the whole damn thing, and Anthony Rizzo has a big part in that, nobody, nobody, We'll ever talk about Freeman or any of these these players that were available in the offseason where the Yankees could have added them. Yeah, Rizzo with the Cubs, he definitely has the experience. Now, he was a kind of streaky playoff player before that when it came to those three years that they were in the postseason. Yep. But, but he definitely was the guy that showed up in that game. Mm-hmm. A good matchup against those right hand throughout their bullpen, too. Kind of like what I was saying with the with the Mets, except a lot better when it comes to a lot of righty depth. And the, uh, Cleveland definitely had that. It showed against the Rays when it, needed, when it mattered most. And, Cleveland's a good team. Yeah. They're and, a good team, and they're a gritty team. And they don't quit. No matter what happened in the ninth inning, they believed that they were going to come back in the game. And it just so happened the Yankees rotation, and I'm talking about Garrett Cole, had one of those gem games. He pitched very well. And that's why, and I believe, I believe Aaron Boone should have kept him in longer. I think he was better than Jonathan Loisica. He was not good. And he got very lucky. He really was very lucky in the eighth inning. And the early seventh inning, because after Garrett Cole gave up the first hit and they pulled Garrett Cole, I was worried because he couldn't find the strike zone and he just didn't look good. He was pitching too many fastballs. He he was pitching all over the place. He was pitching too inside. He couldn't find the strike zone. It, it was just horrible. He, he was horrible. Uh, before we go to break, uh, Beef says the biggest problem they could not hit. Don't blame it all on the pitching staff. Uh, Snuck says Josh Donaldson killed it in game one. He did. He played very well. Yes, he did. Uh, Snuck says after the All-Star break, the Braves kept pace with the Dodgers. There was one game difference in their records. I think everybody is going to want to pay DeGrom. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to believe a team with Verlander and Scherzer couldn't win a World Series together. Well, yeah, that bullpen and their team defense was awful. Uh, Buck Showalter's the new Dusty Baker. We'll see if Baker can shed the labels of the great Astros team this year. And if the Mets could get re- re- the B to announces Mets is his favorite baseball team with the curse be broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
You're not getting that tattoo, that's for sure. No, I'm not. I'm sure you're happy about that, but uh, you know the Yankees. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think they would win anyway, but still, the Yankees the are up lost. one to nothing. I I believe the game will be canceled tomorrow. It is, it's supposed to rain all day. There's no way they're playing a playoff game as important as that one uh, in game number two in Yankee Stadium. I think they'll cancel it to Friday. It'll be an early Friday game uh, where the Yankees will have a chance to go up 2-0 against. A very talented Cleveland Guardian team. I, 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 I do believe the Yankees could win this series. I'm still worried about this bullpen. One way or another, if the Yankees are down and and the Cleveland Guardians bring in that bullpen, they are a dangerous bullpen. And I know it didn't show last night, but this is a very gritty team. And I believe that this team is going to take this to five games. It will go five games, and whoever plays their asses off – in game number five, will win this series and go on and probably play Houston. And, and congratulations to them. I am not a happy camper. Watching Seattle, a young team, have a chance to knock them off and absolutely a debacle in the ninth inning. Completely blew up that rotation. That I'm sorry, that bullpen, which was one of the best bullpens in the second half of the season. I'll see you all. Completely <laughs> fell apart. So, uh, Houston up. Yankees up, and the New York Mets out. Uh, we will get into more baseball uh, a little bit later in the show. When we come back, we'll be talking to Draft Countdown managing partner and analyst Shane Hallam here on the Sports Lab Mets. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. 631 676. I'm, I'm sorry, 672 3108. That was the old number, 676. Uh, yeah, that was the cafe number. I that's think. right. Yeah. <laughs> Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have a first guest of the show. Uh, we had him on a couple of months ago, and, and why not get him on again? Uh, very talented, knows his stuff. We're now talking to Draft Countdown managing partner and analyst Shane Hallam. Shane, what's up, bud? Hey, how's it going, guys? I'm I'm doing good, doing good. Enjoying the NFL season, enjoying the college season. It's oh, been yeah. a good good couple months of football for me. I know you're you're watching college, and and there's so much going on in college football. And there's been so many upsets really early this season, and it's everything is moving and like it's like scaling. You you, you think who's going to we, we, going into the season? We all thought Bryce Young was going to be the number one pick. Now it's it's kind of shifting. Some people say he he's falling to third or fourth, but uh, he he's talented. Uh, the the Ohio State quarterback in um, Stroud, Stroud yeah. who's been fantastic this year. I think he's had what. Three games with six or more touchdowns. He's Which been, I think is the first time in college football history or the last, like, 50 years. Or he's something. been unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different quarterbacks going into this year's NFL draft. This is a quarterback class. But uh, before we get into that, how are you and your family doing uh, since the last time we talked when it came to COVID? Good, good. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're doing well. Me and my wife are here in, in Pittsburgh, and, uh, you know, everything's going well. So, um you know, it, it's been it's been a trying couple years, I think, for everybody. But it's it's been good so far, so good for for us. So why don't we get into it? B 
because there's so much going on in the NFL. We were talking about the draft going into the season and some of the players that maybe would have stuck out. And, and the New York Jets, who a lot, of be, a lot of people were like, wow, this is going to be a fantastic draft class for the New York Jets. And, and it really has. I mean, you look at Sauce Gardner. He's become one of the elite corners in the league so early in the season. Five games, and people are saying that he's a top seven, top eight corner in the NFL. Then you, then you look at, uh, uh, obviously, Garrett Wilson, who, what he did with Joe Flacco, and now he's trying to figure out Zach Wilson, uh, the, the, the early success that he has had this season. And then Jermaine Johnson, he, he only plays on third downs with the New York Jets, but I think slowly but surely they're going to move him. Uh, they're going to move him into the starting rotation, and we're going to see a little bit, a little bit more of Jermaine Johnson as the season goes. And then Bryce Young, and then Max Mitchell, and all these young players coming in and and playing a big part on the Jets' success. What are your thoughts of some of the young players that you've seen in the first five games of the season for the New York Jets? Uh, okay, I think it's been a slam dunk class, um, and I think when you have those three first round picks, obviously trading back in for Jermaine Johnson, that helps, but you still got to get them. We have enough first round picks bust in the NFL and never even see the field. Uh, I mean, Garrett Wilson, I think has made this offense better, just opened it up more and teams just can't, you know, focus on Elijah Moore and force Zach Wilson, try to beat them deep. Garrett Wilson's getting open even when he's not getting passes thrown his way. And I think you start to see the connection there with Zach Wilson now that he's back. And I think Brees Hall is slowly, I think by the end of the season, we're going to talk about him as a top five running back in the league. Wow. Um, I, I think he's these, these past two weeks, uh, maybe not the best competition, but the offensive line is beat up. You know, I mean, Max Mitchell's playing really well. Uh, as a rookie sliding in there, but still not ideal. I think Brees Hall's making a lot on his own, breaking tackles through the line, getting to the second level, catching the football pretty well. Um, you know, he, with those young legs, I really liked him in Iowa State, thought the vision was great. I think it's gotten better. And that when you see that, a player like, hey, I think this is really good, and then it gets better in the NFL, I think that shows something for the future. So for, for the Jets, I mean, it's a slam dunk class. We'll see where it takes them. You know, I, I think there's still some development. There's going to be some growing pains there, but this is a nice base to build that team around. Before I get to my question, I was going to say, a big fan of that neon sign in the, on your wall. I don't know if you <laughs> had that last time we had you on the show, but very cool. I, I, don't, I don't think we did. Uh, my wife got it for me for my birthday. So <laughs> oh, there you go. I don't, Happy I, I don't birthday, have to say my Twitter way. account anymore. It's right up there. <laughs> there you go. So uh, my question is, is there any individual team's draft class that you're surprised so far in the first five weeks, how well that they've played so far, and maybe the other way around, you were thinking more out of them and you're disappointed? Um, you know, I'll say one that I'm disappointed in a little bit, but I, I think it's still going to come together. But it's the mm, I was I think about Tyler, to say that. Yeah. I think Tyler Linderbaum's played well at center. He's been one of their best offensive linemen. But outside of that, I think Kyle Hamilton has has looked slow. He hasn't uh, really had the impact I thought he might as a year one safety. Sometimes his year one safeties can come in. Uh, we've seen Derwin James, guys like that, really have an impact. Kyle Hamilton hasn't done that. Uh, but I, I rated them as my kind of best draft. Um, for the year. And David Ajabo, they drafted, looks like he's coming back sooner rather than later. So like maybe it changes, but then a lot of the, the day three guys haven't done much. Isaiah likely was a nice preseason darling who hasn't done, you know, a ton. He's been on the field. Um, but, you know, I thought the Ra the Ravens draft would have been maybe a little bit better. Um, all things considered. Um, 
And then in terms of drafts that I, I like that uh, I think have done a little better than anticipated, um, I think Seattle Seahawks have been an interesting one because we've seen Charles Cross, I think, step in day one. I wasn't sure of the fit. He's not, he wasn't a power run guy, but we see Geno Smith and the Seahawks. They've kind of evolved the offense a little bit for with Russell Wilson. Cross has played well. And then Tariq Wolin, the, the corner from UTSA, has been lights out. A guy that ran a 4'3", 220-pound uh, corner, 6'4", and he has a hit a pick six. He's been covering some of the top receivers and doing a pretty decent job for being a fifth round pick <laughs> at doing that. You know, I, I'm not going to say that he's in kind of that top tier um, Richard Sherman type player for the Seahawks, but I think he has a little bit of that. And then I think we're going to get to see kind of Walker now, who I, th- I think has looked good in limited stints, but uh, Rashad Penny's out for the year. I think Kenneth Walker is going to come in here and really take over. So Seahawks was a, a draft I liked, but didn't love. Um, I think some of it's proven to be wrong here. I believe Walker is going to be a, play a big part in that offense as the season progressively moves forward. Uh, he looked good when he, he had the opportunity to play last week. I think he's slowly but surely going to get first reps at the running back position. I think he's going to be fun to watch. We are talking to Draft Countdown managing partner and analyst Shane Hallam. Shane, you look at the NFL and – We talk about players that really change, transition some of those teams. Micah Parsons has really transitioned and changed the Cowboys defense. And it's not because of Cooper Rush on why they're winning. Everybody knows that. It's really because of this defense. And teams are starting to see the Cowboys as a dominant defensive team. And it's not because of some of the old players that they have on this line or even some of the new players. It's because of one player. And it, you see that he is attracting some of these, you know, these double double takes on this offensive, you know, team's offensive lines. So what are your thoughts to the Cowboys and their success of their defense? I'm a little surprised that it happened so quickly because I think last year, you know, people talked about, though, the turnovers, and that's what kind of made them, but they weren't a great defense. Micah Parsons was good, but the defense wasn't great. I think now once they realized what he can do, it was let's build the defense around what he can do and let him do it. Uh, I talked to someone to Marcus Mosher who covers the Cowboys, and he had a comment that really floored me. He said, I don't think Micah Parsons thought he would be this good. Like he didn't realize <laughs> that he would be this good in the NFL, that it w- wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't even need that adjustment. And then now this NFL defensive player of the week last week, like he's, he's getting better uh, and, and no one could stop him. Like you said, double teams can't stop him. What do you do with that? I, I think it shows you what an elite pass rusher can do because, you, you know, you can have those safeties play up a little bit and look at the run and you don't have to worry about rushing extra guys. You know, they're, they're, they're really switching the defensive backfield, the back seven, back eight um, often. And that's fine because you have a guy that can get, get to the quarterback. That's all that matters. So um, I think it's going to create more opportunities for the Cowboys. And, and if, like Cooper Rush is doing what he has to do, but if Dak Prescott can't come back and be more more effective, get the ball down the field more, make this offense more dangerous, they they could be a dangerous team uh, in in what's become a pretty tough division outside of the Commanders. So let's go to their opponent in the L.A. Rams, who a lot of people thought their offense would still be very strong this year, getting Allen Robinson, getting Cam Akers healthy for a full season, but they have not looked good so far outside of the Week 2 game against the Falcons. Are you worried about them or their offensive line, Matthew Stafford, or anything else like that? And can you see them maybe not even winning the division because of it? 
I, I don't think they win the division. I think this is what happens when you give up all those draft picks to bring in players. Um, it, it can work. You won the Super Bowl. Like, it was worth it. It doesn't really matter. You won the Super Bowl. You got the trophy. It was worth it. But now, long term, you don't have those young pieces to build around. The offensive line is either older or not as talented, and we're seeing those cracks. I mean, they they could not stand up to the Cowboys whatsoever. There's mm-hmm. no way that they were going to do anything offensively. Um, you know, you have a guy like Cam Akers, who was super promising, has the Achilles injury, is definitely not himself anymore. Well, you, you can't replace him. You don't have any draft picks to draft another running back. You, you know, you, you can't do it. Um, I think that's that's the problem is now, now the team's getting older. You know, you traded some of those picks for one-year rentals. It, it, it's becoming a problem when, like, Ben Skoranek has to be a central part of your offense. Um, it, it's an issue. And Cooper Cup's great, but he can't do everything, can't win you, you games. Um I think the Rams are in trouble, and I, I don't think it's just this year. I think the Rams are in trouble long term. Uh, they could be one of the worst teams in the NFL in three years. I think it's very possible because the, the, the cupboard is pretty bare on this team in terms of youth and players that are going to develop into stars. I'm not sure we have any anymore. Like Bobby Wagner and Aaron Donald are going to retire sooner rather than later, and they're going to be left with nothing on either side of the ball outside of Cooper Cup. It's a problem. Shane, you look at the Buffalo Bills, and and obviously Josh Allen is an MVP candidate. He's been fantastic uh, early this season. He's done everything he can to really show his talent, even without Dable over there. And you know, obviously he's winning games for the New York Giants. Who would have thought that four and one New York Giants? But uh, nevertheless, you see what how talented Josh Allen is, Diggs and, and, and Davis, all these guys that he has, and the weakness they have is the running back position. And now you heard uh, that they reached out to the Carolina Panthers. They were interested in Christian McCaffrey. Who knows what happens before the trade deadline, which is very, very early in the season. So this could happen very, very soon. Where do you see the Buffalo Bills? Do you think the Buffalo Bills are as unstoppable as everybody thinks that they are? I, I think the offense is. I think it's going to be really hard to stop Josh Allen. Just when you have a player with the arm talent that he has, they've been really good at drafting receivers. Um, everyone compliments the Steelers for how they draft receivers, but drafting Gabe Davis around four. And then uh, Khalil Shakir, now back healthy. Uh, he, he looks really good for a fifth-round rookie. I think he's going to get some meaningful snaps with Isaiah McKenzie. Um so I, I think it's going to be hard to stop this offense, even without the running back, even if they don't get a Christian McCaffrey. And if they do, uh, I, think, I think it's tough because this offensive line plays tough. They're physical. They're not the, the best, most athletic players, but they're physical. You have to fight every play. I think it's wearing down some defenses. I, I do think there are some parts of the Bills that can be exploited. I don't think they're unstoppable. I, I think we'll see this week against the Chiefs. I expect another you know shootout. Matchup. I think the Bills defense is good. I think Von Miller has added a pass rush dimension they didn't have, especially when they have such big, long, you know, physical linemen up front. It helps when you have someone like that that can free up those those guys. Um, but I think the secondary has some issues. Um, I think covering one on one is not a strength of theirs. So when they face a quarterback that can exploit those matchups, it could be a problem. Teams could outscore them, like what happened in the playoffs last year. Do I think they're the best team in the NFL? Probably. Uh, but 
that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win the Super Bowl. We, we've seen that time and time again. Um, I, I think there are some 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 problems that they need to, to fix up and hope to stay healthy to get. So what about your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers? They haven't looked good oh, on the God. season so far. But uh, Kenny Pickett finally got to start. Uh, he came into the game against the Jets in the second half of the season after Mitch Trubisky really just played like Mitch Trubisky pretty much. <laughs> so what have been your impressions of him so far? I, th- I think he's been good. You know, I-, I think it's been fine. I think it's been what the Steelers expected to see from him. Um, I think you could tell why they didn't want to rush him in there. Uh, he-, he he takes chances, he- maybe too much. Um, the-, the double coverage throw to Chase Claypool against the, uh, you know, against the Jets mm-hmm. turned into an interception. Like, Claypool could have caught it, still probably shouldn't have thrown it. <laughs> you know, that- that- that's the type of thing Kenny Pickett's going to do. And-, and they needed that juice. So it makes sense. I thought even against the Bills, as much of a blowout that was, they only scored three points. I thought Kenny Pickett's probably the best part of the team uh, in that game. Um, so I, I think there's some promise there. Uh, the, the problem for me is the rest of the team is just either bad or hurt. You know, that, that that's the problem. Um, Deontay Johnson still dropping passes. The offensive line, I think, played better than last year, but it's not good enough to run the football, which they can't do at all. Nasha Harris is, isn't healthy, and the secondary is one of the worst in the NFL. So, you know, right now they're sitting, I think, at two or three in the NFL draft order. Um, one isn't a stretch, I think, for the Steelers. You know, and, and then you have a decision to make. If, if they win one more game all season, now it's, well, can you pick it play well enough to win your games? Or, you know, do you replace him? Do you draft Will Anderson and get – two elite pass rushers. Uh, does that really help you? You know, I, I think the Steelers could be in a tough position if, uh, if Pickett doesn't achieve wins, you know, and you have to decide, like, is this your guy? They're they're too stubborn. They're going to stick with them. Um, but I, I think the calls to get, like we talked about, a couple of elite quarterbacks in this class, we certainly didn't have that last year, mm. um, could be a question that they're facing. We are talking to Draft Countdown Managing Partner and Analyst Shane Hallam. Uh, Shane, you were talking about, obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but there are a couple of surprise teams this year that we expected to be better than they they are right now. The Broncos, I don't know what's going on with them and Russell Wilson. Maybe he's hurt. I have no idea what's going on with him. Maybe uh, – I, I don't I'm, – I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not throwing the coach under the bus. I, I know a lot of people can't stand the coach already, uh, but whatever. And and then there's the, the Vegas Raiders – that are, to me, the most shocking out of them all. Because I expected this team to be a lot better than they are, adding Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams can't keep his hands to himself. Uh, the man doesn't shut up. Uh, he he really maybe is sitting back in his nice, beautiful $5 million lazy boy right now and thinking, should I, went, should I have gone to Las Vegas to play with my good friend Derek Carr, or should I have stayed in Green Bay and played with the greatest quarterback in the NFL in Aaron Rodgers? I don't know, but I, I think he's starting to believe that he made a big mistake. Uh, what are your thoughts to the Broncos and the Vegas Raiders? Are you surprised that both of these teams have been that bad? I, I am. I, I had every team in that division win in 10 games. Like, I thought it was going to be that kind of thing. Uh, that was that was a horrible mistake. I can, you know, uh, cold takes exposed can retweet me or whatever because that was pretty bad. But I, I think both teams can still can still be pretty good. Like I, I, Denver's defense is really really good, and so you just have to expect. Okay, at some point, Russell Wilson 
maybe he's not going to be the Russell Wilson of old, but he's got to be better than this. He's, I mean, he's missing some like easy throws. Geno Smith's throws. better than he is right now. <laughs> Who would have thought that? I mean, seriously. I, I mean, did, did anybody say like, oh yeah, you know, the problem last year with Seattle was Russell Wilson, like and Seattle <laughs> trades them and they're going to get better. Like no one, no one expected that to happen. We thought Seattle's tanking the season and going to draft the quarterback. And now um, the Broncos look, they're in panic mode because <laughs> they've given up kind of like the Rams. They gave up all their draft picks. You know, and if you're, if you're bad, it's not going to be good. Um, but I, th- I think Denver will get it back. I think Russell Wilson will get, at least get a little bit better. And they have the receivers. I mean, Cortland Sutton looks the best he's ever looked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a chance. Vegas, I think there's some bigger issues at play here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they can, they're running the football well, but Derek Carr is consistently under pressure. And, you know, I mean, Darren Waller didn't, you know, basically got hurt last week, but he has not played well. They've barely targeted him when he's been in the game. Like, you have this other weapon that's now getting single coverage when he, you know, because of Devontae Adams that never did before. And you just stop using them. You're throwing a Mac Collins instead. Like, that's not going to work. Um, and I, I think the Raiders defense just is not great. They can rush the passer. Max Crosby's excellent. But I think that second level and that third level are very exploitable. I think teams are finding easy ways to quick completions. You can run up the gut. You can get five yards of carry. Um, I, I just don't know if the Raiders' defense is going to be good enough to bounce back from this. Well, that's what happens when you lose your best corner last year, one of the best in the league in Hayward, and then you trade another one for whatever reason, Arizona. <laughs> not, <laughs> not the brightest front office. And I thought Mike Mayock was the problem, but again, uh, the next guy's not much better. Uh, so I, I know you're also into fantasy football as well. A lot mm-hmm. of surprises so far that we've seen this season, especially with a lot of the top running backs so far in the league that have really struggled. Are you surprised so far? And are there anyone's, any of them that you think of those like top like first round running backs that you think could still bounce back? It, it has been rough. I, I think Jonathan Taylor, when he comes back, it might still be a couple weeks. I think he'll he'll bounce back. I, th- I think the Colts offense with Alec Pierce back there, the offensive line is getting healthier, is getting better. Never going to be great. Uh, I mean, that game against Denver, I wanted to rip my eyes out <laughs> last week watching that one. But um, I, th- I think with Jonathan Taylor, I think he'll be better, start to score some touchdowns. Um, but I think there are guys like Nasha Harris that are just – going to be sunk value and is is not going to, to bounce back you know um so it, it is a little bit surprising because it has been you know a lot of these kind of backups or a guy like Ramondre Stevenson I think is going to be a monster for the Patriots moving forward and Brees Hall for the Jets and Kenneth Walker we talked about you know those are the guys that are performing um and even the like Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Man. Miles Sanders, the, the running backs you left for dead. That you know, I, I don't want to draft those guys. They're icky. Like They're, they're doing great. Dave Montgomery scored 20 points last week. Jeff Wilson scoring points for the 49ers. Um, it's, yeah, it is super weird. I think Taylor bounced back. Um, you know, I, I think Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, those guys would be fine. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it hurts, uh, especially if you had like Javante Williams and you lost him and uh, some of this, it, it's tough. Shane, Kyler Murray is everybody's fantasy, you know, champion. Last year, I had him on all my fantasy teams. His numbers were fantastic, even with his injuries and and coming back in in the second half of the season. He he played a big part on why my team, you know, was half decent. This year, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't. Fantasy-wise, his numbers are absolutely horrific. 
and anybody that drafted him as their number one guy and, and every single week, week by week, starting this guy, hoping that this guy is going to take off. I love Kyler Murray. What is going on with him? I think the biggest thing for fantasy is he he's not running. He's just not running the ball anymore. He he's he's had one game over thirty yards rushing. Uh, one game with eight yards rushing, only two rushes. Um, you know, I think he's averaging something like five rushes a game. Like it's it's not what we saw last year. I think that really helps in fantasy. We're seeing with Lamar Jackson, you know, coming back and running more. Um, when it works, it works. I think on the other end, Arizona's offensive scheme. I don't know what's going on, um, but they seem to just give up until late in the game. And then he just pelts Hollywood Brown with targets and hopes it works. Uh, you know, it, it seems to be the, the game plan. So I'm hoping when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, it does reignite a little, but I think they need that outside threat. Um, I think losing a guy like Chase Edmonds, though he has been very good for Miami as a pass catching back has hurt. Um, so, you know, I think Kyler Murray just, just needs to, um, I think it'll get better. I don't think it's going to be great. I don't think he's going to turn into what Jalen Hurts is doing this year or anything. You're going to get back the old Kyler that one year your league. Uh, but I, I think it's got to be a little bit better moving forward. Kingsbury gets fired? They just signed him to that extension. Like, can you really just just <laughs> eat that and, and fire him and hand him $50 million, you know, hand him a bag? Like, that, that's that's tough to swallow. I don't think it happens during the season. I, I think they'll at least well, – unless – you know, unless it gets real bad, but they're they're at least two and three. I think they'll wait till the end of the year if they're going to do that. He has to learn how to realize. Oh, did we get a first down or not before spiking the ball? <laughs> that would be helpful. <laughs> oh, they could have they could have tied that game, went to overtime, and upset the only number one undefeated team left. But no, they decided to do that. Uh, so I want to move on to your uh, your college team. I know you're a big Ohio State guy. They've looked very good so far. Fantastic. And best uh, team in the country. I yeah, believe. really, the only team that really hasn't had like that close like scare type matchup so far where. They they didn't really look under their standards. So, uh, where do you, what team do you fear most when it comes to Ohio State? Your impressions of them when it comes to the top five teams, the powerhouses, and also is there still a threat in the Big Ten, like a Michigan or a Penn State, that you should be afraid of? Uh, I, I, th- I think Georgia is still the biggest threat, you know, to me in terms of a top five team that I think could run the table and win a national championship again. Not that like Stetson Bennett, their quarterback, really thrills me but the defense is still really good I know they've had their issues Kent State and Missouri um, but you know even in those games they gave up 22 points and that was like everything's on fire so you know if the if the defense is playing well you're talking you're lucky to get 20 points I still think that is ridiculous <laughs> in, in college football right now with the way teams are scoring and the way offenses are. Um, so I think Georgia, Brock Bowers, their tight end is super athletic. He's running 70 yards for touchdowns. Um, so they have some really scary weapons on the team too that um, can get big plays and that's all they need. I, I think the Big Ten's tough. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's a huge threat to Ohio State. Like I think Michigan obviously – is the biggest threat. We'll see how the showdown against Penn State goes this week for them. But being in the big house, I think, is helpful. I mean, their running back, Blake Corum, looks he's, – he's smaller than – much smaller than Hassan Haskins was, but looks every bit as good. I mean, he's 4'3 speed guy in that role who's averaging, you know, um, a, a ton, over six yards a carry is crazy good. And J.J. McCarthy, their quarterback, good choice picking him. He can actually run a little bit. And Michigan still has some of the most athletic defensive linemen in the country. Um, I, I think they're 
they're good. I don't think they're as good as they were last season from an entire team perspective, but I think that's the team that worries me the most. Uh, and Penn State, as long as Sean Clifford's the quarterback and not the true freshman Drew Aller, I think they're they're not going to go too far against a good defense. We are talking to Draft Countdown Managing Partner and Analyst Shane Hallam. Last question for us, Shane, uh, college football. Who has been the surprise of the college football season? I mean, obviously, uh, we expect the powerhouses, uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Michigan. But who has been the most surprised as far as where they are in position to possibly make that Final Four position? Or, and who do, you, who do you think has completely fall, fallen off where you thought they were going to be so good this year? So I'm going to give two Big 12 teams because TCU is really surprising me. I, I thought this offense would be an absolute dumpster fire this season. Max Duggan, quarterback, I was like, this guy can't play. A 14 touchdowns, one pick, running around back there, has over 200 yards rushing. Um, they're spreading the ball out to different receivers. Quentin Johnston finally had his breakout game, potential first-round pick at receiver, but um, they're running back Kendra Miller. They lost Zach Evans, who was the top five running back in the country, lost him, and they're fine. You know, they're winning. That's surprising to me that they could, you know, drub Oklahoma uh, like they did and then competed with Kansas, won that game. Um, I think it it was a a push in terms of the spread. So I think they're a team that that could – the Big 12 is not super strong. Like they, they could definitely make a statement. We'll see, uh, Texas might be bouncing back here with Quinn Ewers back, but I think TCU is interesting. And, and Oklahoma's probably on the other side is, is the team that I, I, I didn't think it would be this bad. You know, I thought, okay, new coach. Um, the, the Venables hire was interesting, not what I would have gone with, but they brought in Dylan Gabriel, who um, has had some success in college. They still have some good receivers. Another ton of guys transferred. It's still Oklahoma. Like they should be decent. And I mean, that that Red River rivalry game to lose forty nine nothing. I've never seen that in that <laughs> that game. And Texas is not, you know, a top five team. <laughs> this is not a team you should lose forty nine nothing to. It just really hit me. And I'll I'll real quick. I got to drop James Madison moving up <laughs> yeah. to FBS and making the top twenty five. Nebraska hasn't made the top 25 in three years, but James <laughs> Madison does it in five games. Congratulations uh, to them, by the way. And, yeah, and, and they're not allowed to win the conference. They're not allowed to go to a bowl game. I'm like, they moved up. Like, <laughs> they, they they should be allowed to do that. I understand if you move down a uh, level, but, geez Louise, they're they're really good. They upset Appalachian State, who upset Notre Dame. So, they should mean for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it was – and that, that was a great game. It's 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 wild. Even, like, Arkansas State, Texas State aren't pushovers. So, I'm hoping – JMU just Notre runs Dame. the table and they don't know what to do. Give me a break about Notre Dame. And that's, <laughs> that, that is a dumpster fire right there. Uh, not only are they they're going to be firing their coach, they're, they're going to be looking for a coach. And by the way, uh, Brian Kelly, where are you? <laughs> LSU is not even in the top 25. Getting Keishon Boutet to quit on him. Is what what a third joke. Oh, man. College football at its best. Brian Kelly. What an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Shane, thank you for joining us, as always. We'll get you on very, very soon. We love when you come on. You know your stuff throughout social media. The Twitter Twitter fans love you. You're the fantasy guru. Uh, Many, many people tell us uh, about how smart and how, how much you know in depth uh, when it comes to the draft and how you set up your draft class and everything like that. So check him out. Shane Hallam, uh, fantastic, fantastic analyst when it comes to draft and NFL and managing just everything that he does. It's, it's fantastic. 
No, look, I appreciate the kind words and uh, always appreciate coming on with you guys. It's always fun to to cut it up and talk about the stuff. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Shane Hallam, ladies and gentlemen, uh, draft countdown managing partner and analyst. Fantastic yep. personality. And he knows his stuff. Absolutely. Everything that he does is, is fantastic. It really is. Don't forget about the draft, the draft boards five years in advance. Too, oh yeah. He he, he's yeah. unbelievable. And, and he is dead on on a lot of the stuff that he, he puts together. I mean, uh, if you haven't checked his draft board out uh, this coming year, I, uh, I bet you he hits on at least five or six of them in the first round where he is he strategically over the last couple of years uh, said that some of these players are going to be top 10 picks, top 15 picks, and he's been dead right. He, Micah Parsons, I remember uh, he told us when we first had him on, it was yep. the year of Micah Parsons. He told us people are you know making a mistake on this guy, yep. that this guy is he's going to fall, and when he falls – uh, somebody's going to get a gem, and why not the Cowboys? And he wanted to play for the Cowboys, and boy, oh, boy, is he, he's killing it right now. It makes me sick. Yeah, as a Giants fan, it makes me sick, too. I know, because you guys should have drafted him. <laughs> they could have. They very much could have. But no, they decided to trade back, and then draft Canarius Tony, who barely could plays. Could you imagine Micah Parsons on the Giants right now? Could yeah. you imagine that defense mm. right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, we have Canarius Tony and the worst receiving core in the league. Yeah, let's. Uh, let's oh, yeah, the the human joystick. <laughs> no, that's Tariq Cohen. <laughs> that's what they decided to draft instead of Michael Parsons. <laughs> oh man, what a what a joke! But hey, listen, the Giants are four and one. Can't be uh, crying about that. They they have the right coach. He is fantastic. I love his excitement, his personality. He's got it. I'm telling you, if, if any Giant fan does not like this coach, well, boy, oh, boy, I take him. I take him in a heartbeat. He is a real deal. He is a real deal. And when they get this team together and, and this team starts to figure things out, I, I think the team believes in him. I think the players – look at Daniel Jones. Look at what, I know his numbers don't – pop out, but has he made that many mistakes? I, I mean, I mean, they're four and one. He can't be making any mistakes. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And do they give Daniel Jones the extension? I, honestly, if he does what he did in the second half against the green Bay Packers, the way he did and, and didn't throw any turn, didn't throw any interceptions, no turnovers. I, it's going to, it, it's going to be hard to say if the Giants win 10 or 11 games to say goodbye to Daniel Jones, okay? Because you can't do that. <laughs> I don't care. And you're not getting a top 10 draft pick or a top quarterback in the draft. Uh, I wouldn't give up on Daniel Jones. I think Dable is the quarterback whisperer. I think if there's anybody that can fix Daniel Jones, it's Dable. Uh, I, I, it's, it's fantastic. When we come back, our good friend is going to be joining us. Yes. I'm sure he's going to be crying us the river, yes, as the New York Mets no longer are in the playoffs. But uh, there's there's some, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, I think. I mean, I, I think there is, but Mets fans want to jump off a cliff. I mean, <laughs> every single Mets fan wants to jump off a cliff. When we come back, we'll be talking to creator of MLB Daily Dingers and elite sports New York writer and editor Matt Musico. Here. On the Sports Lighthouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 
sing song, that's for sure. A little fist pumping for Mr. Musical. <laughs> you are listening to the uh, Sports Lab. I almost forget the name of the show. 631-672-3108 is the number. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, thank you to Shane Hollum, as always. Fantastic. Speedy as a great get, as always. And, and another great get, a friend, uh, a Mets guy, and, and why not bring him on on a very sad week for the New York Mets as they are cleaning up their lockers and getting on the golf courses a little bit earlier than they thought. We are now talking to creator of MLB Daily Dingers and Elite Sports New York writer and editor, Matt Musica. Matt, what's up, man? That was a wonderful intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> what's up, fellas? I have been sticking up for the Mets, even when they lost against the Padres, because I, I feel bad for the organization because they had such a great season. It just so happens they're in a division where the Braves are just fantastic from top to bottom. They have the, one of the best farm systems in baseball. They have one of the best GMs in sports. I, I mean, uh, everything that they do is just perfectly straight line and the New York Mets uh, I I have to give them credit for a team that won what 76 77 games last year to win 101 games this the next year uh with some of the acquisitions they made and Marte was a it was a good get I mean uh obviously Lindor actually had a good season finally and some of their players started to spark Pete Alonso again has a fantastic year um, I think that the Mets' future is bright. I, I don't think it is bad as what Mets fans think, and they have a lot of work to do. I don't think they do. I think they one move in the lineup, maybe some pitchers in the in the uh, bullpen, and maybe you decide what you're doing with Bassett. Maybe you go after Rendon or somebody like that, maybe of that magnitude to 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 shore up that rotation and re-sign Jacob. I think the Mets are still in position. Uh, to be a World Series contender. Mets Twitter goes into a tizzy every time the Mets lose. So, I mean, it's been it's been a dumpster fire for what was like 63 times this year. Mm-hmm. What was so weird about this team is that they were oddly consistent from April through August. And then when they had the easiest part of their schedule in September, I mean, they didn't play badly, but they just didn't play well enough. Um, they slipped up a couple of times against teams they should have beat. And that's what ultimately cost them. I mean, I think between April and August, they lost three games in a row twice. This is a team that didn't lose more than three games in a row all year. But then in September, they lost three in a row three different times. The last was a backbreaker with with the Braves. So it's obviously a very bitter pill to swallow, especially because, you know, at the start of September, everyone's thinking they're going to get a bye from the wild card round. Pretty much an easy, you'd think it'd be an easy trek into the NLCS. I mean, at that point, it looked like it was more of a shot that there was going to be an NLCS in New York than an ALCS in New York with the way the Yankees had struggled through August. Mm. But um, but things change quickly, and that's baseball. And it, it was really unfortunate and very sudden, which I think is why a lot of people want to jump off a cliff right now. But, <laughs> I mean, this is also a familiar feeling, but it's a little bit different because you know that, like, this is not – like, the Wilpons would settle for this. Like, oh, we made it to the playoffs. Like, you know, we can be just mediocre now. You know, like Steve Cohen is probably going to be a little bit mad. He wants to spend some money. You know, money's burning a hole in his pocket. And they're going to go do some stuff. And they have a lot of work to do because they got a lot of people coming off the books right now. A lot of free agents um, and a lot of impactful players. And mostly within the pitching staff, you know, thinking about the rotation and the bullpen. So, I mean, they got a lot of decisions to make. 
So one of the big things that I had a problem with was the way they the way they went through with the trade deadline. I thought I think I thought the Mets needed a lot more when it came to depth and especially with the pitching itself. And the biggest thing I didn't like was not going after a lot of lefties. They only had two lefties on the entire team for the rest of that season. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that was the biggest thing that hurt the Mets? For the most part, he did a really good job of keeping them as fresh as possible, squeezing as much production as he could out of the bullpen. I think the thing that ended up looming larger was not getting another bat, especially once Marte went down. That was probably the biggest thing that hurt them the most, especially when you switch J.D. Davis and Darren Ruff, and Darren Ruff gets 10 hits, and J.D. Davis gets eight homers at least uh, in San Francisco. I mean, they would have could have really used his bat, uh, especially once Marte went down too. So, I mean, I think that was probably the worst part, but from what we've heard from Epler and reporters and things like that is that people were asking the world of the Mets. And they didn't want to trade your top five prospects, which makes sense. Uh, they're trying to, you know, win right now and also build a sustainable perennial contender. Uh, they want to be the Dodgers. That's what Steve Cohen wants. And you know, they had to try and thread that needle. And it probably came back to bite them a little bit here. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they need to win one more game somewhere. Mm. Win one more game. And they couldn't do it throughout the entire month of September. We are talking to creator of MLB Daily Dingers and Elite Sports New York writer and editor, Matt Musico. And I know Matt, as as a Met writer, is probably sitting back and, and telling all the Met fans to just relax. The season's over, but uh, it could be a better season next year. And they have pieces that they can build around. I really do. And I, I, I just – I think a lot of Met fans are – going crazy all over social media thinking that uh, they should fire Buck Showalter. Uh, and, and it's funny, uh, about a few days ago, I think 48 hours ago, I read a story coming out that uh, Steve Cohen speaks and said that Epler and Buck are safe. And I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe that that even came out or any anybody had the thought to think that they weren't going to be safe after the season they had. But maybe next year, if they don't go further or uh, they fall apart in the playoffs like they did this year, that might be different because Steve mm-hmm. wants to win now. He said in the next five years he wants to see a World Series. Uh, if he thinks that Epler isn't the guy or Showalter isn't the guy. And, and by the way, Brian Cashman, is be- he will become available at the end of the season. Now, he has already been told by the Yankees they're going to resign him. Hal said there's no way in hell they're going to lose him, but Mm. you never know when you have millions and millions of dollars flashing in front of your face if Brian Cashman says, you know what, is it really bad? I'm a Yankee fan. I don't want to see Brian Cashman go, but is it really bad I go over there to New York with with the Mets? I'm I'm working with my best friend in Epler. I can help that team win. I become a god, you know. So just like Theo Epstein. What are your thoughts in the offseason reaching out to Brian Cashman? Maybe that's your acquisition. You bring in Brian Cashman, uh, a guy that has won, you know, with the Yankees, or maybe you go after a big bat or something of that magnitude. Where do you see the Mets going in the offseason that could surprise everybody? Well, I mean, I don't think they're going to make. I don't think they're going to surprise a ton of people. Um, especially from the executive standpoint, I was also very shocked that the Cohen even had to come out and say that Buck <laughs> and Billy were safe. Cause it's like, well, duh, they just won a hundred games. It's <laughs> so the fourth time it's happened in, in franchise history. Of course they're safe. And yeah, like the last two weeks really stung and that leaves a really sour taste in everyone's mouth. But still it's like from a, a rational standpoint, when the dust settles, you see all of the wonderful things that have happened, uh, all the progress that's been made 
all the free agent and acquisitions hit, which, and usually in recent history for the Mets, does not happen. Um, so, you know, Marte and Escobar finally was able to, you know, bring it around in September and Canna was great and Bassett was great. And, you know, all those things and, and X was great until the last couple starts. They changed the culture within that clubhouse, which is one of the things that Buck is really good at. So, of course, he's going to stick around. Like, it's it's not a surprise. From an executive standpoint, I saw that they're also not going to be aggressively pursuing a president of baseball operations like they have in the last couple off seasons partially because I think they're waiting around for David Stearns to be free from the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's the, like their golden goose that they've been holding on for. Um, so, I mean, I feel like just thinking about Brian Cashman and Queens just feels weird, uh, <laughs> but he's got the connection with Epler. So, I mean, they actually, yes. the Mets and the Yankees have a relationship. Yes. Now, so, and so that, you know, crazier things have happened, I guess. Um, I mean, with regard to like which direction they're going to go, I mean, it's really, it really centers around what happens with Jake he's going to, he wants a raise from $30 million. I mean, he, he said the other day, he doesn't know what he's going to do yet, but we all know he's going to opt out, mm-hmm. even though he, he didn't have the best of finishes um, because there's somebody that's going to pay him more than $30 million a year. So, I mean, you know, that's going to really tie up what's going to happen. I, I just saw today that um, the Mets are trying to resign Edwin Diaz before he even hits free agency. So that's going to be like one big domino off their to-do list. Mm-hmm. But you know, if they sign Jake, okay, let's say it's like another $40, $45 million for at least a couple of years, let's say. You know, that's going to dictate what they do from there because they still have a lot of money on the books with players coming back and players who they're paying not to play, <laughs> Robinson Cano. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least so, he was I mean, trained for $1. Bobby Bonilla? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Brett Saberhagen. Let's that's not forget right. him. It's not going to put a damper on what they're going to do as much as it would in previous years, but still like that's $20 million that they could have used for something else. So it's like, I have a hard time thinking that the Mets are actually going to make a legit run at someone like Aaron judge. But I mean, if they lose out to Grom, they have all this extra money. Maybe they do, you know, and they need that big bat. So, I mean, I think that could be an interesting storyline to, to follow, especially if judge actually gets the free agency, you know, like, Powell was telling Cashman that there's no way they're going to lose him. Don't you wish you'd come out and just say that about Judge, too? Mm-hmm. Or just, like, actually sign him uh, to the money that he deserves? So, I mean, Cashman said the other day, he's getting a pot of gold. And it's like, all right, well, are the Yankees going to give it to him? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the key. But, I mean, I don't think the Mets are going to make a, a lot of, like, stunning moves. They definitely need another bat. I mean, Lindor and Pete are the anchor of that offense. And then you can throw McNeil in there, too. But Pete's the lone power hitter that they have. And they, the Mets were middle of the road with, with regard to not necessarily slugging, but just hitting home runs. And we saw that bite them in the butt uh, in the wild card series. You know, the Padres could hit homers and the Mets couldn't. Uh, so I think whether it's Judge or someone else, they need to bring somebody else in to pair with Pete. Because when Pete's not going well, then the Mets don't really score a lot of runs, which we saw this year. So um, they need that bat, whether it's through free agency or trying to get creative with some kind of trade, maybe get rid of James McCann, which would make everyone happy. They have a lot of decisions to make, but it's mostly within the pitching staff. What's going to happen with Jake? I mean, outside of Max, he, Max is the only pitcher, veteran pitcher that they had in the rotation at the end of this, this year that is guaranteed to come back. Everyone else has some kind of option. They'll probably pick up Carlos Carrasco's options, be like the fifth starter. I think he's getting like 12 or 14 million or something like that, which would be reasonable for the type of production he can have. But, you know, they need to fill in, they need to fill in that middle part. And David Peterson and Tyler McGill did a decent job in the opportunities that they were given, but they also haven't gone the full 162. And this is still, I mean, this past year, the oldest team in baseball, they're built to win right now. So they need to, you know, make those moves. 
Um, and it's just, it's so crazy to me that it, even as people were saying Buck and, uh, or Buck and Epler, are they on the hot seat? People don't want Jacob DeGrom back. And it's like, come on guys. It's like, it was like really like two bad starts. And like, even like in the starts that were bad, I guess in this is the last three regular season starts, two times he gave up three earned runs. It's like, it's like kind of normal. It's okay. He's actually human. <laughs> I'll um, take Jacob DeGrom any day. Let him come over the Yankees. So, I mean, I understand like the opportunity cost. He's in his mid thirties. You're giving him say like 40, 45 million dollars. And everyone thinks it's injury prone. Although just this past, you know, calendar-ish year has been really the only time he's been injured. So, like, I get all those arguments, but I just, I can't see Jacob DeGrom anywhere else. But he's kind of, like, holding his cards close to his chest, so we don't really know exactly, like, what he's thinking outside of him saying that he thought it'd be cool to be a Met his entire career back in March. But between March and October is a long time. Mm, so Yeah. Speaking of injuries, uh, a lot of uh, people on Mets Twitter, also my brother was saying this, and our uh, fellow Mets fan at this network, Josh, said it on our FM show last week, that he thought Max Scherzer was pitching hurt in game one. Did you see any kind of signs of that? My biggest thing was he wasn't really sequencing well, using his slider too much, and the back-to-back fastballs in the same spot to Josh Bell on that home run. Uh, do you think it's like a fatigue injury type factor, or is it something else you think with Max Scherzer why he struggled? I mean, you know, I don't really know. I mean, my my thought was what, when he went back on the uh, injured list in, like, end of August, early September, I was thinking, okay, like, so that's not, actually not the worst thing in the world. Give him a little bit of rest before the playoffs because when he was with the Dodgers, he ran out of gas. Uh, so I was thinking it was going to be a good thing. I mean, I, it just seemed like it was more of a, an execution thing. It didn't look like he was favoring anything, although I'm not, you know, a, a pitching expert. He said he was a full go. I mean, people on the on the broadcast were talking about how, like, oh, he's probably, you know, thinking about it a little bit. And it's like, but look, like, Max is a gamer. And, like, it, again, like, being an elite pitcher, especially in the playoffs, it's hard. And sometimes they come up short. Uh, they're not perfect. So, and sometimes the game plan falls short. And Max has always been, and Jake is the same way, too, where, like, even when they're going well, they're prone to giving up homers. And sometimes it just comes in bunches, um, which is you would hope that it would be, you know, just a bunch of solo home runs like the last couple of times that Jake went out on the mound, but it wasn't this time for Max. And there were a couple of times when the offense could have gotten him back into the ball game or just gotten the crowd back in the ball game within those first two innings of game one, they just stranded a bunch of runners on base and then it just completely got out of hand. So Max didn't pitch well. The offense didn't help him either in the early innings to just get that momentum back either. We are talking to creator of MLB Daily Dingers and Elite Sports New York writer and editor Matt Musical. You know, a lot of Met fans sit here today and they're twiddling their thumbs and they're watching the Braves and Phillies play. In, with Zach Wheeler pitching. You know, with Zach Wheeler, who should have been a Met. Uh, I mean, obviously. Uh, but Steve Cohen right now, uh, being the richest owner in baseball, he likes to wave his money in the air because he can. Why a lot of these owners did not want him to take over for the Mets. This is a man that wants to win, and he's willing to open up his pockets to do so. When you look at this team, so many players are going to be off the books. Do you see them making a run after a guy like the superstar over there with the Angels, a guy that has been the face of baseball, he is making $400 million. Do you think Mr. Butterball over there could be a New York Met in the offseason? <laughs> Butterball. I'm just that, is, that is slander that is not welcome here. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just uh, kidding. I mean, that's certainly interesting. But then, I mean, at the same time, too, it's, you know, Trout is over 30. 
he's been hampered by injuries the last couple of years. I mean, he was able to overcome it this year and still hit 40 homers, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the angels are still in such, I can't even think of the right word for that organization right now, but I mean, are, are they still investigating being like selling mm-hmm. or like is, is Mario still wanting to sell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be interesting. I think what Epler probably wants more is Otani. Because he's had that, he has that relationship with him too. But I mean, this, that's a situation where you're gonna have to give Moreno's, up a lot more. You're gonna have to. Give well, up yeah, more. yeah, giving up a lot more, obviously. But then also, Moreno is, is hates Cohen, so like he'd never actually, you know, mm. approve shipping Atani over to New York, even though uh, he has a relationship with Epler. So, um, I don't necessarily see Trout getting traded to the Mets. Mm. I mean, I think that it would be certainly an interesting rumor to pop up in the rumor mill if it does. Um, but trust got to get out of there before he becomes, you know, too old to be the elite player that he is. He needs to get, he needs a fresh start somewhere else. It's clearly not working in Los Angeles as everyone knows. Well, I, I do believe that. And I, I've said this to Josh and Josh is talking in the feed right now, but I've said this, if, if the Yankees lose Aaron judge to San Francisco, which quite ha- possibly could happen, uh, because San Francisco is one of those teams. And I've been saying this for two years. Ask Speedy. I said that if Aaron Judge becomes a free agent, he's from that San Francisco Bay Area, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to San Francisco and plays for his uh, his hometown team because that's where his family lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Yankees lose him, I mean, I've heard Otani. I've heard Mike Trout. Do the Yankees make a move like that? that that's, that's something because Yankee fans are going to be pissed. They lose Aaron Judge in the offseason. This is a guy that was, was, what, five points away from winning a triple crown. I mean, this guy had one of the best, one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen a player have offensively, even defensively, and decide, hey, you know what? Well, we'll part ways with him. We can win without him. I, I don't think the Yankee fans are going to be very happy about that. Do you oh, think? Oh, no. I don't think so either. Do, do you think? <laughs> I mean, do you think that could happen? I mean, I know you're a Mets guy, but. I, I mean, throwing you a curveball here, I mean, Yankee fans are already, you know, bitching and moaning right now about the Yankees because they're not getting enough offense in the game one, and they won 4-1. to one. I mean, yeah. all of social media, oh, my God, we were lucky. We were lucky. Garrett Cole stinks. He stinks. He pitched seven innings with one earned run and eight strikeouts. Oh, I, I take that game any day from Garrett Cole from the home runs he's given up against all the crappy teams that he's lost against this year. So oh, do you think that could happen? I mean, seriously. I mean, I th- if they act, if Judge actually walks, which I think the chances of that now are pretty low. Because, I mean, the, at the end of the day, they're the Yankees. If they want to pay for someone, they'll pay for it. Um, they're going to have to if they let him go. Because, I mean, it would be a full-blown mutiny in the Bronx if they let him walk. Because, I mean, Aaron Judge embodies everything that is being a New York Yankee. I mean, obviously, the top-tier production, but being like being a team guy, being a leader, like he like literally put this team on his back for the majority of this year. Like he was the offense for most of the second half. Um, so, I mean, just the thought of them actually being like, yeah, you know what, like, it's a little too much for us. It's a little bit out of our price range or what we think you're worth. Um, and, and they were still trying to like, you know, like Raina Levine was trying to float those kind of storylines, like even like as recently as August and stuff like that. But all of a sudden those things started to you know go away as he got closer and closer to 60 and 61. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I feel like Jeff Bassan said maybe a week or two ago that there were some, he had some sources within the Yankees organization that, you know, it, 
they said, you know, the heat, the heat, the judge turned down their extension offer. Like, all right, let's see if you can outplay it. He did. All right, we're going to pay him what he wants. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. Who knows what judge wants? Of course, he's wearing all that, uh, all those sweatshirts and saying New York or nowhere. So, I mean, you feel like he wants to be in New York. Well, that doesn't I mean, mean that the, it doesn't mean the Yankees. New York or nowhere well, doesn't mean, <laughs> hey, it's it's the Yankees. Well, yeah, I it mean, could, I, I've thought of that, too. I have also thought of that. It could be the Mets. I mean, he could be he, just waiting for a big he, contract to buy stock in another really, team. If he really wants to say, you know what, F you to the Yankees, you know what I'll do? I'll go over there on the other side of the Hudson. I'll go play with the Mets. You know, I'll go win with the Mets and tell them to go kiss my ass. And I know yeah. Steve Cohen will open up his pockets and pay me. You would think that Cashman has learned his lesson from the Derek Jeter free agency saga. You know, mm-hmm. like and that got, stuff got recounted during the Captain docuseries and stuff. And it's like you know, like this guy is like a pillar within Yankees history already, uh, and especially just with his power. It's like. <laughs> there's only like a handful of dudes who have hit 50 plus homers in two years as a Yankee. And like everyone else has played like 50 years ago, at least this kind of talent doesn't come around very often. And he is like the legit leader of that club. So, I mean, they, they just, they can't let him go. That, that would be even just like thinking about the Mets letting David Wright walk, even though yeah. it was a much different situation. It was not coming off a career year and things like that, but just like, you know, David Wright, Mets, Aaron judge, Yankees, I, they got to do everything that they can, and they're going to have to. They may have to overpay because it seems like the Giants are motivated to do whatever yes. they want to do. I'm uh, hearing, I'm so. hearing the Giants are willing to offer him eight to nine years. And I know the Yankees aren't going to give him that, but if the Yankees could give him, they can, you know, give him forty five, forty eight million a year for the next six years. I think, I think they can close the deal, and and Aaron might say, you know what, I'll take the six years with the Yankees. I'm getting forty eight million a year, and I'll I'll go back to the Yankees then taking the eight or nine years and going and playing in San Francisco where they probably aren't going to win. You know, so they're a good team, and, and I think they'll be playoff bound if they have Aaron Judge. I just don't know if their farm system is not in the top ten anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, they, I think they're ranked, if I'm not mistaken, eighteenth or nineteenth. It's not a good farm system anymore. They don't really have those top pitchers that we remember, uh, you know, the Lincolnsum or somebody like that or the Kane. They don't have those guys anymore. So the thirty-four-year-old rebirth of Jake Peavy. Yeah, I, I mean, they don't have that anymore. So it, it, it's it's kind of like okay, we'll we'll take Aaron Judge, we'll rebuild around him. Uh, that doesn't give you any thought in your mind. Aaron Judge right now has a chance to win every year with the Yankees, and the Yankees will make sure that they're going to be competitive. And that's why Rizzo wanted to be there. That's why Rizzo decided, hey, I don't want to be anywhere but the Yankees. And I've heard stories that he wanted to go play for the Marlins uh, because that's closer to his hometown. Why would you want to go and play for the Marlins? Derek Jeter didn't want to stay there with the Marlins. (laughs) I mean, seriously. He he bought the team. Oh, then he doesn't own the team. Then Michael Jordan has a piece of the team. Now he doesn't own a piece to the team. I don't know what's going on with that to organization. Now Don Manley doesn't want to be there. So, uh, and he already said that he's not even retiring. So, who knows? Maybe he's waiting for Aaron Boone to get fired. I don't think that's happening. Maybe he'll go manage the White Sox. <laughs> who knows? But, I, I mean, it's so much craziness, and, and that, that just shows you how baseball can transition every single year. And that's why I think the Mets have been very impressive this year. For any Mets fan to sit back and say, this wasn't a great year, that they're they have to completely rebuild. I, I listen to the Beave, and you don't know the Beave, but you don't want to know. <laughs> he and I'll, I'll, I'm I'm going to make fun of the Beave right now because I love him. He's one of my friends, but he is a Met fan that went to 
Derek Jeter night wearing a Derek Jeter shirt at Yankee Stadium. Rooting for a Yankee captain. What are you, nuts? I mean, I, I I wouldn't do that. I don't hate the Mets. I'll go to Mets games. You will never see me wear a Mets jersey, a Mets hat, saying, <laughs> let's go Mets. I'm not going to yeah. do that. The other, the other irony is, Matt, of this is he's a, he's a Mets fan and Errol's a Yankees fan. And he probably likes Derek Jeter more than Errol. I have met Derek Jeter three times. I think Derek Jeter is an ass, okay? I, I never liked him. I... I, I haven't even checked out his captain series. I will check it out when I feel up to checking it out. I don't want to give him any opportunity to think, hey, Errol, you watched my captaincy. I don't think he cares about me or he even knows who I am. But uh, honestly, I'm not a big fan of his. Never was. I was more of an Alex Rodriguez guy. I know a lot of people hate Alex. But when I met Alex, I thought Alex was pretty down to earth and cool. You know, I, I think he... You know, he answered my questions. We talked a little sports. We talked college football. We talked football. He he was really cool. Derek Jeter is like, who are you? Who do you work for? What does it matter who I work for? I could be working for your mother. I could be working for your mother's Yankee trader. If I'm asking you a question, just answer the damn question. Who cares? I mean, seriously, because you're not getting paid for it. You won't answer the question. I mean, seriously, it just it's stupidity. That's why I don't like the guy. And I, I've heard stories about him. You know, just personally, uh, I'm just not a fan of his. But is he one of the greatest shortstops? For the, he's the greatest Yankee shortstop to ever play the game. Is he the greatest shortstop, top five of all time? I think people are nuts saying that he is. He's not. Okay? He wasn't even the greatest shortstop on his team. Alex Rodriguez was. So, <laughs> to stop Yankee fans. Don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Let's go look at Alex Rodriguez' gold gloves when he was a shortstop for the Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners. And how many times did Derek Jeter win when Alex Rodriguez was playing shortstop? Here's the answer. Zero. And when Alex Rodriguez moved to third base, then Derek Jeter started winning the gold gloves. So, please. I, I don't want to sit here and, and cry, cry a river about Derek Jeter. Stop it, Yankee fans. I know you love him. Fine. Is he the greatest? You can kiss his ass. I'm not. There you go. We are talking to creator of MLB Daily Dinkers and Elite Sports New York uh, writer and editor Matt Musical, friend of the uh, friend of the show. We're a fan of his writing and his stories and everything that he does for Mets baseball. Yes, I I listen. I want the Mets to win. I would love to see another Subway Series. I really would. Who wouldn't want to see that again? I know Mets fans don't want to see it because they're afraid that the Yankees are going to do what they did in 2000, 2001 to them. I don't think – I think if the Mets played the Yankees this year, I think it would have been a very good series. I think the Mets have the pitching. I think the Yankees have the lineup. It could go either way. This rotation. Walker will probably be gone. Bassett could be gone. Jacob deGrom could very much be gone. Could bring back Carrasco. If they lose all those guys, there are a few – Really good pitchers that are going to be available in free agency. If you were the Mets and you were the GM of the New York Mets, where do you go in free agency for pitching? Probably the first place I go is probably uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, which you mentioned at the, at the time when I first hopped on here because I think he he's taken a big leap forward. And I think he ended the year on the injured list, but. Um, he's been mostly healthy the last couple of years. And I think one of the things the Mets have lacked in the rotation is a lefty. Uh, they've had Peterson, I mean, this year more than last year, but still, like, they haven't had – that was one of the reasons why – one of the few reasons why I liked Stephen Matz because he was the only lefty in that rotation full of all the aces that never were actually were aces except for one. Um, it get, you know, gives them a different look. You know, 
comes with a different approach, things like that. I think he would be probably the the top of my list. I honestly, and right now I can't even remember who else is, is supposed to be a free agent this year, but um, I think he'd probably be the first one that I would want. And he was he was someone that the um, that Mets fans really wanted last year too. When he when he went off the board to the Giants, people were pretty pissed about it. Yeah. Uh, so what about uh, from the relief pitching standpoint, Edwin Diaz, a very controversial contract because you don't want to play pay closers, but Edwin Diaz had one of the best years we've ever seen from a closer. So what do you think his money will be like? And do you think the Mets will be the team that pays him? Um, I, yes, I do think the Mets will be the team that pays him. Like Sunday night in the aftermath of the loss, I mean, Diaz essentially said that he hoped the Mets came to him quickly because he wants to do what's best for his family. And there was clearly an interest there. And then there were reports coming from Mets Marais. The Mets don't even want him to reach the agency at the conclusion of the World Series. So I do think he's going to stick with the Mets. Uh, I do think um, with the Mets' inconsistent bullpen over the last few years, I mean, really, outside of 2019, Diaz has been one of their most valuable relief pitchers, uh, like it or not. I mean, this year ob- was obvious, but even the last couple of years before that, he's he's been great since that terrible 2019. Um, and he's got Narco. They want to keep the trumpets at City Field. That's an entertainment yeah. value, too. But, I mean, I think he's probably going to get – he's going to challenge Chapman's record, which is, I think, like 586. So, I mean, he's probably going get, to get somewhere around, like, you know, Four or five years, $18, 19000000 million per the year. The clock Probably. is ticking. He said it. He told the Mets the clock is ticking. <laughs> yeah. And like if, if they sign him now, they don't have to get into any kind of like bidding war. That's who they want. And it seems like it's clearly it's who they want. So, I mean, it, it, they can, you know, set the market themselves. They can, you know, they already have the relationship with Diaz. Uh, one of the things that Cohen did this year was he would just sporadically invite players back to his house for dinner and stuff to kind of like cultivate more relationship. Um, so there's probably a little bit of rapport there too. So, I mean, you know, and everyone knows what he's worth and, and he's younger than all these other closers have gotten these big money deals too. So, uh, so he's going to get a lot of money. If he doesn't pass that $86 million mark, he's going to get it close. Here's the pitchers that are available this off season. Trevor Bauer. No, thank <laughs> God, you. no. David Price. <laughs> Also, God, no. Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, Carlos Rodon, Noah Syndergaard, Adam Wainwright, Clay Kers- Clayton Kershaw, Nathan Avaldi, which could be a nice pickup for the Mets, Zach Granke, Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, Luis Saverino could, could be a guy that they might be interested in, uh, um, Sean Mania, uh, Kyle Gibson, Mike Miner, Chris Bassett, Andrew Heaney, Corey Kluber, Tyler Anderson, Jake Ordorzy, or Dorosi, whatever his name is, uh, Walker, uh, Wade Miley, Jordan Lyles. I mean, all the big names we've pretty much mentioned. I feel like it's kind of like slim pickings there. I wouldn't mind Sonny Gray. I was one of the people who thought he'd be a good get in a trade with Eugenio Suarez uh, from when they were both on the Reds, which mm-hmm. would have been interesting. I know it's a whole like the whole New York thing, but I mean, I think that could be a little bit overblown. City well, Field's yeah, a bigger, it's a big, bigger field. I think, I think his stuff would play a bit better. Yeah. He knows him a bit more too. So I mean, I think that would be interesting. Tyler Anderson, Anderson would be interesting as well too. It seems like there's a lot of Justin Verlander. Is, why not? I mean, well, yeah, I'm, the, the Mets scouted <laughs> Verlander when he held a workout before he signed with the Astros yeah. last year. So I mean, there was an interest there. But then again, it, it's it's kind of the same problem as, you know, bringing Jake back, although even more of a problem. I mean, isn't Verlander in his 40s? He's got to be in his 40s. 39, yeah, he'll be 40 next year, but he had 
a better season than practically half these pitchers. Well, yeah, he, did. He, had a, he had a fantastic season. He seems like he's got like a bionic arm too. Outside yeah. of, I mean, he just he just restarted his clock getting Tommy Johnson. He could play too, another so. three years. He could play. Yeah. Another three so years. like you know, that sounds really tantalizing. I would love that. But then of course you know you're you're pairing Max, a 39 year old hurler, with a 40 year old hurler to be like your two horses. And then we saw how that kind of worked out mm. this year. So I'm sure there would be people that would be gun shy about that, but. Again, it would be a short-term engagement. So, and this is a team that wants to win now. And Nathan Avaldi, uh, who I think is, has a great arm, and he oh, that's who, that's who you said that I was yeah. like, oh, that could be yeah. interesting. Yeah, Avaldi yeah. is a good is a good pitcher. Uh, he pitched in New York, pitched very well with the Yankees, and uh, obviously had Tommy Johns, and then he went to the Red Sox and destroyed. He was a big part of why the Red Sox big won. Yankee killer. <laughs> yeah, why they won the World Series that year. Yeah. So why not bring Nathan Avaldi? And he's cheap. I mean, he's making seventeen this year. He, he might make less because this season you didn't play a full season. So bring Nathan Avaldi in. I mean, that he could be a real big piece for their rotation. What, what, yeah, one, one, got, there's some options out there that could be interesting. I mean, I think those few that we've been talking about um, would be good. Um, and depend. I mean, it just really all depends on what Jake wants to do. Yeah. And you know where where that limit is for the Mets yeah. if they have a limit. They, I, I would imagine that there would be, but. If they don't end up getting good Degrom, because one thing that could be interesting, because we mentioned Rodon too, uh, Manaya, both both of them are lefties too. Manaya might not be a lot because he had a bad season this year, so the Mets might be able to get him cheap as a potential bounce back candidate to go along with Rodon, and then maybe they try to keep. Some Rodon's of their own. the best pitcher available. Yeah, I agree. He is yeah. the best pitcher available this offseason. He's twenty nine years old. He's going to make a lot of money. He's the best lefty available on this list. There are going to be teams gunning for him. Yeah, uh, if I were the Mets, you lose. If you could bring Jacob DeGrom and Edward Don, you don't need another bat. you got three beasts. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it wouldn't be fair, honestly. It wouldn't be fair. Well, I mean, look at the Dodgers. That's not fair. Well, yeah, the Dodger, Dodgers there. rebirth guys like crazy. I was discussing it yesterday <laughs> with my parents. The Dodgers aren't winning the World Series this year, buddy. They're not. I, I, I think it's such it's so funny because, honestly, I, I think they're very talented from top to bottom. I think they're highly overrated. And uh, they had Max Scherzer on the team last year, okay? <laughs> and they still couldn't get over the hump. So what makes anybody think they're going to be even better this year? I I, I, I like their lineup. Their lineup's pretty good. And yeah, Freeman and Freeman had a fantastic year. Good for them. Uh, I, I don't think they beat any I, – even if they get out of the National League, I don't think they beat anybody that comes out of the American League. I don't think they beat the Yankees. And I really – I if, if they have a slugfest against the Yankees, the Yankees will beat them. And I don't think they beat the Astros. So unless Cleveland or or the Seattle Mariners come out of the American League, I, I think whoever comes out of the American League, I still believe, are the favorites to win the whole thing just because of the power that they have in their lineup. And I, 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 it, I think it's destined to Houston Yankees. I really do believe that. I think it's destined, and whatever happens in that series, which there won't be any cheating this time, so... Or so uh, we think. <laughs> there won't be any cheating this time, so I, I, I do believe the Astros have the, the more depth in the bullpen with all the injuries the Yankees are dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but better Aldis Chapman not showing up. <laughs> if Taon is the guy, because I heard... That's probably a better thing, though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I think that... They're they're thinking about moving Tyone as a possibly closer type of stuff. If they if Tyone, you know, pitches that he throws a hundred miles power if he's is in the bullpen, and he's got good stuff, maybe that transitions the Yankees. That's enough for the Yankees to get over the hump this year. So we'll see. I mean, 
it's scary, man. I, as a Yankee fan, I don't know what's going to happen. But and I, I don't. There's no guarantees they beat Cleveland because I think Cleveland's bullpen is sensational. And I thought after that home run by Quan, I last night, last uh, night I thought the Quan revenge the way, tour. By the way, uh, for all the Yankee fans that didn't like that move from Montgomery for Bader, how important was Bader last night? <laughs> mm, very. How, how important he was in the center field position. Jordan how, Montgomery's lounging with a and the chapman. home run that he hit. Uh, by the way, that tied the game. Okay, people forget about that. Uh, for all the people that said Brian Cashman has lost his, uh, has weighed out his welcome with the Yankees. That was a move that Brian Cashman did. And by the way, where's Jordan Montgomery? Oh, I'm sorry. He's, he's, he's with Aroldis Chapman. He's with Aroldis Chapman, <laughs> not playing anymore. So they're, those um, two are golfing with each other. Good luck. Good luck on that. But uh, the Yankees are still in it, and, the, and Bader could play a big part of where the Yankees go, especially against Houston when it's all about running. And, and stealing bases against a team that loves to do that. So, and if he, and if he does play well that whole series, you'll be able to stick it to Carl. Oh, I can't wait because he said Bader sucks. <laughs> he said Bader, what are the Yankees doing? Bader sucks. And I said uh, he's only probably the best center center fielder defensively in all of baseball. And plus, you you get you move Aaron Judge to his proper position, you just make your outfield that much better. And the Yankees, their strength this year was their defense. People forget that, but uh, you know. That's that's just what every Yankee fan does. They and I'm a Yankee fan, but I can't stand Yankee fans. They're a bunch of idiots. Did you see last night in in the, in the eighth inning? They were the, they were like da, 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 da. they thought the game was over. It's four one. I did anybody watch Houston the the game before that and what they did in the ninth inning? Please give me a break. Yankee fans just need to sit back, relax, and hopefully enjoy the show and and. By the way, Garrett Cole put up a gem, and I give him all the credit. He's got to do that every time he's, uh, you know, pitching because you're making all that money, and you have done nothing to show. That was the first playoff win he's had as a Yankee in two years, making all that money. Outside of that wild card disaster last yeah. year, I mean, he's been good for the Yankees in the postseason. I mean, his four other starts, he's he's struck out at least eight dudes every single time. He just doesn't win. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's not his fault. You know, like his, I mean, geez, he gets them deep into games, strikes out a lot of dudes, doesn't give up a lot of runs outside of outside of that that one start, which obviously looms large. He is the home run king this year. Game. He is the home run king this year. He sure is. He got both of them on that team. Yeah, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge hit the most. Garrett Cole allowed the most. They had to complete the try. They had to, they had to complete it both ways to cancel it the out. Old, Law of averages. <laughs> Don't you love baseball? Uh, how it how it twists and turns everywhere you look. Yeah, the Yankees luckily sur- the Yankees yesterday luckily survived the Stephen Kwan revenge tour. Had a chance to tie the game in the eighth inning, but just missed it. Well, you know Jonathan Lewisica with his big fat lips. I mean, I, my girlfriend was sitting there and listening to me. I was like, "You fat lipped idiots!" And I, I was screaming. <laughs> this guy is sitting down like he's he's every time he pitches, he looks like he's sitting in a high chair. Do you ever see him pitch? He sits down. He, he gets low to the ground when he's ready to throw a pitch. I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, you should serious. watch uh, Sean Reed Foley pitch. Uh, oh God! <laughs> I mean, what is the blast like the energy. I, 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 it gets me. It makes me sick to my stomach, man. I, I'm sitting here. She's, she's laughing. She sees me yelling at the TV. She's like, "Who the hell is the fat lip pitcher?" I was like, "The guy on the mound. He's an idiot." I mean, he's sitting like he, he he's ducking down. He's looking at first base and saying, dude, you better not throw to first base. I don't want to see – I don't want them to score runs because you're an idiot, okay? <laughs> and every time he was throwing the ball, it was like inside, outside hitting. And then when – what's his name again? Um, 
when Holmes came up and in his first battery hit the guy in the ninth inning, I was getting yeah. scared, man. I was getting really, really scared that something bad was going to happen in that game. But uh, luckily, it, it all it all fell together. The Yankees up one nothing, but that doesn't mean that it's over yet, bud. Maybe Sean Reed Foley will be the next uh, the next relief pitcher to either sign with the Mariners, Astros, or Red Sox to be rebirthed as ex-Mets. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly the Mariners. I want to the throw whole up. Paul Sewell, the quicks flex it. He's, he can fit right in. I want to throw up. Baseball, man. Makes me sick. Anyways. And we keep coming back for more anyways. Yeah, we do. I, I and mean, we'll be here tomorrow night watching the game. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, if there is a game tomorrow, it looks like yeah. it's... Well, yeah, more like Friday. But Yeah, they're going to move it. I, I, I heard that it, it's going to rain all day, and they're not going to take a chance. So I think they're going to cancel it and move it to Friday, and it might be Friday night or maybe Friday afternoon. It depends on how uh, they want to do it and how, how, how free the field is going to be after the, the pouring rain that we're going to get tomorrow. So. Don't worry. Whatever the Yankees do make up that game, it'll still happen before Noah Syndergaard's next start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Speedy with his jokes. Anyways, Matt, we really appreciate you joining us, as always. Uh, you're fantastic. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out mad stuff well then you're not a real met fan check out daily dingers and elite sports new york he is as good of a writer happy to have him on as always for the fourth time and we'll, we're looking for five don't worry bud after the, the season old, the is old over, drive for five yeah. oh we'll, we'll try for more than that yeah I mean, once carlos, carlos rodon becomes a met after the giants overpay for aaron judge by the, the way <laughs> by the way you never showed up you never even reached out to me about my birthday i'm very upset at you man I was on the boat. Where were you? <laughs> you was in well, disguise. if you were on the boat, I wasn't. I wasn't on the boat because I, I saw you. See, <laughs> see, see, see he, he had a tactic where he ended up ended up time traveling like before we ever interviewed him. We, we, we had true. him. He was on the boat the whole That's time, true. just scouting it out. That's true. What else is new? I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like it's my luck, you know. You know I fight ex NFL players. Hey, I'll come, and then I'm like, where the hell are you? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you never showed up. Uh, well, I kind of got caught up. My wife kept me, you know, get me home. Get the hell out of here, your wife. I tell your wife, she could have came. She could have stripped. I'm just kidding. Oh, I God. Oh, boy. <laughs> this, this took an unexpected turn here. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's less unexpected than it should be. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, Matt, we really appreciate you joining us. No, I appreciate it, fellas. It was a lot of fun as always. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have you on. Very, very soon, as always. But uh, thank you for joining us. We'll keep in touch and uh, definitely check out his stuff. It's it's as good of stuff when it comes to writing and stories for the New York Mets and the Amazings. Yes, and stay clear of the attacks, ladies and gentlemen. That is it. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Matt Musical. There we go. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sp- uh, speaking of speaking of uh, Mets fans, uh, John, Josh jumping into the uh, ban the beef bandwagon. Oh man, uh, that's What's it. Take it. People, take his man. card away. No longer Mets fan. What Don, is for up where, with people for wearing the Derek Jeter stuff? I mean, poor beef. He, he he gets the you know the the brunt killing of everything. You know, and we had Matt on for almost fifty minutes. It's great. Yeah, well, we had to we had to throw in some mocking of the beef in between. Yeah, it's great, and and Matt's great. And Noah he really, he, he, honestly. If you're a sports fan and you're a baseball fan, and, and we have a lot of these great writers on our show. We really do. And their personalities and, and what they do, you know, not only on the, you know, in the Twitter world or their websites, these guys are great at what they do. I mean, even the Ranger guys that we have on the show, mm. and 
and everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and the the different you know Met guys or giant guys that we've had on the show, and I I can't stand all those teams. I don't hate the Mets, by the way, but I have I respect what they do. I respect it, all the work that they put into their their stories and. And and I think they're fantastic. They really are. And we're, we're happy to have them on. For them to give us the time that they give us is is just awesome. And they love coming on with us. We love them coming on with us. So thank you to Matt and, and obviously Shane Hallam for joining us tonight. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, so, by the way, we have there our, our fellow Mets slash Derek Jeter fan on the phone. Who we got on? The Beav. Beavy, Beavy, Beavy. What's up, man? What's up, bro? How are you? I'm, I'm sure you're about to jump off a bridge, right? Well, not me. I I expected this team to lose. Um, I called it. There it I is. Said it, I said it in August that the Mets were going to lose this division and they weren't going to get past the wild card or the first round. I, I think That's exactly you, what I said. You just you congratulations know. on being right, if that matters <laughs> to you. <laughs> and I'm not upset at all because I know they don't have the hitting and they didn't have the bullpen. So what did what did all these idiot Mets fans think was going to happen? The well, same shit happens every fucking year. Excuse my language. <laughs> they, they fucking, they lose, every, they collapse every freaking September. It oh, always happens. Yeah. So what are all these Met fans all, worry, uh, you know, upset about? They should expect it. It's just normal. That's what happens with the Mets. I, I think, I, I think the the problem right now with the Mets is, is a lot the of problem the problem with the Mets is, is, is that they, they go after these old, time people and they give these stupid contracts out that make no logical sense at all and they trade away all the That was more guys. the Will Ponds though. That was, I don't think they Well, he doesn't bad. like it, it, he doesn't like the Max Scherzer signing. He doesn't like Oh yeah, Max Scherzer were they had to really give him that kind of money cuz the Dodgers were going to give him about 40 million too. So it, it, they really had to I, I, go I understand that, that, but again, they overpay for all these people past their damn prime and, and it's going to continue to happen for years to come. So well, Lindor had a good season. I was very surprised. Lindor by that. stinks. He can't freaking hit the damn ball. I'm sorry. Well, in the big game, he can't. I, I, he I've can't. said that. He can't. I said that. And in, it was a, that was another terrible contract that the Mets gave out. In the series, he didn't hit, and that was a problem. Their big hitters hit. couldn't Alonso hit. Oh, Alonso did McNeil, hit. McNeil Alonso did hit. hit. Nobody freaking hit. In the three, Alonso hit a home run. He hit a home run oh, in the game. Oh, he hit a home run. No, oh. but he had. I think he had like seven or eight RBIs in this series. McNeil, McNeil or Alonso only really hit in that game too. That was really it. He struggled the, second, the other the two games. Game. McNeil was, was probably the only one that hit kind of consistently. Marte was pretty good too, but that, that, that's Marte really was it. Playing Escobar hurt, was so. hitting too. Escobar was hitting, yeah, because he came along later in the season. Yeah, Marte was playing hurt, but it still it still looked better than when he wasn't in the lineup and the Mets were trying to move him to have him hit second. Uh, Alonso hit second in the whole lineup got messed up well i mean the mess need to get all the bad i mean so uh this, this is what the mets do so it where is, where, is. where where are your cowboys going man what, what, what's going on where are my cowboys going yeah where are they going hopefully they're going to the playoffs yeah but where are they going do you, do you think they're beating the eagles this week oh 100 percent uh so of how much you do <laughs> So how much do you have on this game? You want to... <laughs> Nothing. Well, let, let's... I, I've decided. I've decided no be- no bets, Steve. Well, let's let's make a bet here. Let, let's make a fair bet. No, I no. think it'd be fun. No. I think it'd be fun, and let's make a funny bet. No. This is a game that you could bet on. No, I you... promised myself I will not bet on the Cowboys this season. <laughs> he's a uh, he's he, he's trying he's trying to hold back his gambling. <laughs> I was. Because every time I bet on the Cowboys, they they lose. So I figured, you know, if, if I don't if I don't bet on them, maybe they'll win. So let's not bet any money. Let's just bet something funny. No, it doesn't matter what I bet. 
<laughs> so you're, you're you're great with the rest of the league, just not betting the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm not. Why don't you just I'm say not. you're betting on the Eagles? Then maybe you'll win. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, no. See, think of think of it this way: if the Eagles win, you win money. If the Cowboys beat the Eagles, then no, no, the Cowboys no, no. beat the one undefeated team left in the NFL. No, 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 no betting on football. So. <laughs> no betting on football. No whatsoever. surprises. No surprises that you think that the Cowboys are going to throw at the Eagles this weekend. So probably, well, I don't. Well, the whole question is: is Dak going to play or not? That's the whole probably question. Probably not. It seems like they're still leaning Cooper Ross at the moment. It's not. It's not. It's not looking good. And you know what? I think Dak is. I I think Dak is going to play in this game. I I do. I do. I think he's. They're waiting until Saturday night, Sunday, uh, when it's a game time decision, where they're going to say out of nowhere that Dak is going to play. With uh, with Michael Parsons, because he has that groin injury right now, so that's another issue right now. I'd sit him out. I, I don't take a chance with him. Uh, he is so important. If the Cowboys have any chance to compete for a Super Bowl this well, year, if they think that they do, he has to be 100% healthy. He I is agree. so important to he that is defense. So he, is the most, right. he is the yep. most important part to that defense. If they plan to, to make a run this year, and they could. They really could. With, well, with, all, the, defense, yeah, with all the weaknesses that they have, and I really think they should reach out to the Jets. I, I think it's very stupid. They have a chance to get Denzel Mims. He's sitting on the bench. You, you can add a, a, an explosive wide receiver on a team that's so weak in that area. I'd I give up a third. Or a fourth well, round Gallup, draft pick. Gallup has been playing very well since he's been. Gallup back. played well in his return. Yes, I still think very well. Yeah, I, I still think they need another weapon, and they don't have it. And, and well, yes, they're, they're, what they're missing is they're missing a really good tight end, which they don't have. Yeah, yeah. Schultz had the great year last year. They need a ends, they yeah. need a big wide receiver. I mean, six three, six four, Denzel Mims. I mean, a guy that can absolutely break out. You can. You could put him so many places on the field for the Cowboys. I think that would be a great move. I think that would be great. I, I think right now with, with the way the Jets have put him, I, I don't think you get better, but, better than a fifth-round draft pick for him right now. But, I mean, going, going to this game, to the new game, I don't, I don't see – if Michael Parsons is a go, I don't see them holding him back. I don't. No, they'll play him full throttle if that's the case because it's a key game. You might as well just have him go that way, but still. I wouldn't take a chance. Still, yeah. If you don't take the chance, then you're just saying, all right, we're going to play in long term with him. him Unless you just use him on third downs. I just – Yeah, I I don't know if you would want to do that in that case. I think the risk is still kind of the same as it is because he's that important of a young player. He's so so versatile. He is the most important part to that defense. I mean, without him, that defense is mediocre. Right. They're mediocre without him. I mean, he changes. You heard it from Shane Hallam. If you were listening to the interview, he said that Micah Parsons didn't realize how good he was going to be. I mean, he thought he was going to be good, but he didn't think he was going to be this good. I mean, th- th- he's he's probably, if, if not the best pass rusher, he's b- beside b- behind uh, what's his name again um, on Pittsburgh, who's right Watt, now yeah. Watt. Besides Watt. besides Watt, I would say Micah Parsons is the best pass rusher in the league right now. Uh, uh, yeah. he, I, would, I would say so. Mm-hmm. He, he is, and. To lose him for the season because of a groin, I would not take a chance. You have mm-hmm. a chance right now. Well, You're, we don't know how bad he really is. They're making the playoffs. That, the, the, the NFC stinks, okay? Even well, if they're a wild. No, I'm sorry. The, the, the Giants should not be 4-1 right now. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. 
because the Giants, they, they'll come back. They'll come down to earth when they start playing better rosters. Right now, Green Bay has a lot of weaknesses in their second. Obviously, their, their wide receiver is a real problem right now. And their wide receiver, their wide receiving core is just horrible. I mean, a lot of people think that the Jets have the advantage in this game, but you never see Aaron. Rodgers lose two games in a row. It's very hard. So I, I, I think if if the if Green Bay won and beat the Giants last week, I, I'm betting on the Jets. I would bet on the Jets mm-hmm. that the Jets will win this week. But because Aaron Rodgers is coming off a game where he lost that game, I can't see him losing game two games in a row. And if he does and the Jets pull this one off, uh, it, it'll be a shocker. It definitely will. I think the Jets are better than the Giants. No, no question has no, more the uh, more than talent the than the Giants. Do it's not even close. But uh, I, I think uh, Gay, you know, Dable is as good a coach right now. Uh, to me, the coach of the year is Dable. No, hundred percent. He he's been hundred percent. That team has believed in him. I think I believe in him too. I, I think not only do I think he's going to be a great coach in his league, I think he's going to be one of the best coaches in the NFL. I, I just think he he is the quarterback whisperer. He changed Josh Allen's throwing throwing arm. He he Josh Allen is who he is today because of him, and that's why for all the Giant fans that wanted to get rid of Daniel Jones, I'm telling you, if there's anybody that can fix Daniel Jones, it's him. So. I, I and he's proven it. Daniel Jones hasn't made a mistake in the last two games. Hasn't made a mistake. Is he throwing three hundred yards? You, it's it's proven. You do not need to throw three hundred yards to win. And if your team is winning, you're elite. If the, no. if the Giants win twelve games or eleven games this year with their schedule, you're gonna you're gonna give up on Daniel Jones? What are you nuts? I, I mean. Giant fans who have been throwing him. I know you don't like him, Beave. I know there's a lot of Giant fans that don't I, like him. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I, I, I do. Really but at least don't. he'll be worthy of a 50-year option. I, in this I, case. I do. I do think he is. And I I think that he just has had bad coaching since he's he's come into the league. Look at the coaches he's had. They, they're horrible. They're, they're, they've never succeeded. And now look at him. He he has a guy that actually trusts that he is going to make the right play and the right decisions. He outplayed Aaron Rodgers in the second half. He did. Daniel Jones outplayed Aaron Rodgers in the second half. Who would have thought that? Rodgers hasn't looked good all season. Well, he's got nobody to throw to. Who's he throwing to? Who's he throwing to? Guys that like to block illegally down the field and get I mean, away with honestly, it. who is he throwing to? I mean, the fact that they've won three – they were 3-1 and one going against the Giants, that was a miracle. That's they almost miracle. lost against the Patriots, too. Like it's a, a miracle. third-string quarterback. It's a miracle that they're, they're, they were 3-1 and one going into that game. And honestly, I'm not surprised. And, and if they lose this game against the Jets, I, 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 I would start to worry. Yeah, because really. – uh, not because the Jets aren't good. Just because you're, you're seeing the debacle of this team, which – Everybody thought that their strength was going to be their defense. It hasn't been this Darius year. Darius Slayton could get as open as he did against the Packers. So you can imagine what the Jets receivers could do. I mean, it, it's it's it could well, be dangerous. It could be dangerous. I mean, Minnesota could win that division. Yeah, it looks that way right now. They're much more complete than the Packers are at the moment. I, it, it's the NFC is so wide open. I would sit. I would sit uh, Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons. They're not. They're not enough for this game. They I, I think they're not, stupid. Uh, I think they're very stupid. This is not an important game. It's not. It really isn't. So no. what? What? Is, so what? If they win this game, they 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 take full custody of first place in the NFC East. That doesn't mean they're going to be there. 
Doesn't mean by the end of the it's season a, they're gonna it, be there. It's a it's a prime time game, and there's no way Michael Parsons is not playing. I'm no. Telling you right now. Yeah. Well, I I hope he doesn't get hurt because if I, he's I pulled he off, if he gets pulled off on a stretcher, I'm gonna be laughing at Jerry Jones. What the hell? He no, we all laugh at Jerry Jones though. If, if he gets pulled off on a stretcher, I'm gonna put you on a stretcher next to him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you're gonna have to get me tied well, up before no, you get so to that. If, if, if he if he gets put on a stretcher, that's it. I uh, think season will be over. Season will be over. I mean, it's it, it the way the way everything's positioned right now. I mean, you have Cooper Rush starting for you has won four games in a row, and it's not because of Cooper Rush, Cowboy fans. I'm so tired of reading on social media. Well, no, it's Let's not, play Cooper instead of Dak. No, what are no, you no, no, nuts? Don't worry, there's a legitimate quarterback competition to call in Jerry Jones. No, just... What no, a what a I, nutty, I agree with you, but I mean, nutty the fan not, base. The guy is not making any mistakes. I I wouldn't make mistakes either if my defense is that good. Okay, <laughs> I just yeah, say, but, you know what? Just but, run the ball. Run the ball. I, I the, your defense is holding teams making, to ten or twelve points. Throws. He's still making quality throws. Really? How many quality throws did he throw last game? Honestly, how many? How many? He, he, he made. He let's made see, a let's lot. See. He made, all right, he made let, a lot of big. Let, let's bring up. Uh, let's bring up the Cowboys last game. All right. Let's let's go look at Cooper Rush's. You know his. Um, he made a lot of big plays on third down. His numbers. Who did they play last week? The Rams. The Rams. That's right. They won right. twenty-two that's to big, ten. All right. That's a big win for him. All right. Let's look. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Ten for sixteen, a hundred and two yards. Wonderful game by Cooper Rush. Fantastic. Got, no no see, touchdowns. That, 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 see, no interceptions. He was. That's the problem. Listen, you're looking at the stats. Here's why they won. Here's why they won. You're not looking at. Here's why they won. I'm going right. to help you. Here is why no, they won. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. No, I don't need Tony no help Pollard, right eight carries, eighty-six yards, ten point eight, one touchdown. Zeke Elliott, twenty-two carries, seventy-eight, three point five. Uh, that's why they won. And and by I the way, their defense shutting down. The L.A. Rams. I am not saying Cooper Rush is the reason why they won. What I'm saying is that he made the throws he had to make to at the right times. That's what I'm saying. Cooper Rush was not good last week. Okay, I I, I don't know. I understand why Cowboy fans because, think that because Cooper they're Rush... not letting. They're not. I'm not saying he's good. I'm not saying I want him to start over Dak. What I'm saying is he made the. He's not turned over the ball. Okay. Oh, it's very easy when it. you're not and throwing the it. ball. You're and ten for two. you threw. Okay, he threw sixteen passes in a four quarter game. Okay, I understand that. How many mistakes could you make throwing sixteen passes? Unless you're a horrible quarterback, you're an NFL well, quarterback. You're an NFL quarterback. Carson Wentz will find a way to do three, and that'll be. I it. feel bad for Carson Wentz, by the way. What his co- Ron Rivera? First of all, Carson Wentz has had a pretty good season. He really has. And and for Ron Rivera to attack him the way he has. All right. If you look at Carson Wentz's numbers right now, he's six, he's, he's, he's completing 62% of his passes, which is amongst the league's best. Okay. He has 1,390 yards, 10 touchdowns, six interceptions, and an 86% quarterback rate, rating, which is pretty good. It's not bad. It, it's close to 90. Anything close to 90. Anything in the 70s is bad. Okay. His numbers are not bad. And for the fact that Ron Rivera says, why, what's the reason why your team's not playing, why you're not good? He says the quarterback position. That is just 
disrespect. Why does everybody hate this kid? I mean, He's Indianapolis. He's the second most talented quarterback in the division. I, I mean, why does everybody or hate third. this kid? I, I, I Everywhere he's gone, they've hated him. The Eagles hated him. He goes over to Indianapolis. They hate him. Now now the commanders hate him. What has he done for them to hate him so bad? I mean, in his career. He's not a a good quarterback. Really? He's an average quarterback. I I don't think he's that bad. Here's his numbers. Here's his numbers to say that he's not. In four years, 62% completion passes, which is above the league. I mean, uh, Tom Brady's is 65. He's 62.6. That's not bad. 21,000 yards, almost 22,000 yards, 150 touchdowns and 63 interceptions, and an 89%, almost a 90%, a 90% uh, quarterback rating. You're going to tell me he's not a good quarterback? He's a good quarterback. That's a good quarterback. This is why why you can't always go by numbers because you have to look what he does on the field at times in the situations that he's in. Well, that's what held. That's what held him back his rookie year for sure, and that's definitely what held him back. He late almost in, won an MVP late in certain seasons. Yeah, his MVP year he was efficient. Yeah, but, you gotta, but what he does at certain times. Yeah, he makes bad ball. throws. So so did Philip Rivers decisions. in the fourth quarter that's in certain games. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. but that doesn't make him a bad quarterback. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. No, it yes, doesn't. It does. Yes, it does. Carson Ron Rivera should not be attacking. Carson Wentz. Listen, I can play better quarterback than Carson Wentz. You're, please. You're, you're, you're at. Good luck with that and with that, that Washington offensive line. Well, I would number. They're almost as bad line. as the Giants. Nah, I feel well. bad for Carson Wentz, and I think he's. What's going to happen is he's he's probably going to go to another team next year and another team. And honestly, I would take Carson Wentz as my backup any day for that price. Well, his contract. No, but he's his con- What is? Well, how many years does he have left on the contract? Like two. Two years? Two left. I would take him for my backup for one year because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. So I, I just feel bad for him. Nobody gives him enough credit, and, and he is a good quarterback. He really is. Is he an elite quarterback? No. But is he a middle of the pack top? You don't think he's a top 16, 17 quarterback? In the, he is. He 100% is. With his numbers, he is. In five games, he has almost 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns and six interceptions. That's a good season on, on the commanders. That's good. He, he's going right now. If, the, if, if he is at, his, at, at this pace, he's going to throw 30 touchdowns. He's going to throw 30 yeah, touchdowns. I don't, I don't think he's top 15. Oh, he definitely is. All right. At worst, he might be twenty. Like it's something like that, and that's still a starting quarterback. It's just a pretty average quarterback. Okay. Let's let's look at the top fifteen quarterbacks right now in the NFL. Go look at the Speedy. Look up all the top fifteen quarterbacks in the NFL. Because I I can't sit here and tell me you can't tell me that Carson Wentz is not a top fifteen quarterback. I don't think he is. All right. What name some quarterbacks you would take over him, Beef? We'll we'll, we'll do that. In a, well, yeah, let's see. I mean, I'll, I'll well, you go to the obvious. You go, All right, yeah, besides Rogers, the obvious, got, let's, look, we know the got obvious Rogers, ones. You got Brady, you okay. got Allen, you got uh, Stafford. Go look at Tom Brady's got, numbers. Let's look at Tom Brady's Tom numbers. Brady, Tom that. Brady this year, 68.1 completion percentage, seven touchdowns, one interception, pass rating 96.5, uh, and 207 completions total. What, what is the numbers again? I'm sorry. So he has seven touchdowns, one interception, 68.1 completion percentage, and a 96.5 quarterback. How many rating. yards? And yards per attempt, 6.8. I'm just trying to find total yards. Uh, I'll have to look at another and, and, and that's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Okay. So 68%. All right. All right. Give me another one. Forget it. Give me another one. Another one. Um, Beef. Beef. Give me another one. Oh, 1409 no, yards. Take... 1409 yards for Brady. All right. So he... 
Brady only has four, uh, 19 yards more than Carson Wentz does this year. Now he has seven, seven and one. He hasn't thrown as many interceptions. He has more. Carson Wentz has more touchdowns. Uh, his not his passing rating and his quarterback rating isn't Tom Brady, but he he's not as efficient. But you're going to tell me you're going to take Tom, I, I would take Tom Brady over him any day. I'm not saying that he won't. But okay, you have arguably a top five quarterback that has almost identical numbers. Give me another one. Yeah, give say a borderline one that you would say. Not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, not an elite. You want to like... take Aaron Rodgers? I would say Aaron Rodgers has numbers like him too. But but beef take it. Pick a borderline one that you take would probably say in that, in that middle tier that you would think is better. All right, I, I would take Derek Carr over him. All right, Derek Carr's numbers oh, this year. Yeah, let's see. It's, it's, 1279 passing yards. He's completing 61.4% of his passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 256 yards per game. He's got eight touchdowns, four interceptions. So actually, Wentz has played better than him this year. All right, so give me another one. Even though uh, quarterback rating 87.7. Uh, so he's a little higher there, but that's really it. Really. Yeah, it doesn't you matter. You can't, you can't put Dak in because he's been out. Yeah. Give, so. give me Somebody healthy. That's like but a borderline you just You guy. just said Derek Carr. He, he, Carson Wentz is better than him. Go ahead. Give me another one. No, but you would, you would, you would take Carson Wentz over Derek 100%. Carr. 100%. Right now? You're absolutely. Ready. Ready. I'm out of my damn mind. Uh, I would. I would take him. Give me another one. Um... Kirk Cousins. Give, give me Kirk yeah. Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, 1327 passing yards. He's got uh, seven touchdowns on the year, five interceptions, and 66.2 completion percentage, 86.4. I'm taking Carson Wentz. I'm taking Carson Wentz over him, too. Go ahead. Give me another one. Um, I'm talking about this year. Who right, would so I go, take by their numbers oh, this so, year? So I'll go Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> oh, he's got the rushing yards, too. I, uh, to take the it. rushing yards out. All right. Let's J- look at it. Jalen Hurts passing yards, 1359, uh, 67.9 completion percentage. He's got four touchdowns, passing two interceptions, re- quarterback rating 97.4. Because he uses his legs. I'm, I'm taking Carson Wentz in the throwing, in the throwing game again, against Jalen, Jalen Hurts. Okay, give me another one. I'm just, I'm just better. I, what I'm saying is you're saying that he's not a top 15 quarterback, and I'm going to tell you he is. He's he not. is. His numbers show you that he he's is. Not. Numbers don't show everything. Yes, it does, no, dude. It yes, it does. No, it doesn't. The no, commanders stink. Is it his fault that the offensive line stinks? Is it his fault? No, no, it's not his fault, but he can make better throws. Really? He only throws better throws. He throws almost 1,400 yards already. He has 10 touchdowns no. and six interceptions. What what throws does he need Sorry. to make? Uh, he's, he's not a he's not a top fifty. He is on he's on pace to throw over four thousand yards this year. He's on pace right now to throw four thousand yards, thirty touchdowns, and probably I would right. say fourteen interceptions. Okay. No, he couldn't play good on a good Philly team. So for the for the not... fact that you're looking at his numbers, you just named two players that you Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins. I'm taking. And I'm would taking. Take, and I would take both those quarterbacks. And and by the way, you're day. wrong because Carlson Wentz has better numbers nope. than both of them. He's, he's not a better quarterback than them. Okay. Sorry, you're wrong. you're wrong. This year he I'm is. Not wrong. This year he I'm is. This year he is. He's not a better quarterback. I'm sorry. Uh, this year he is. Not on the field. He's not. Listen. I'm telling you, if you look at the numbers, you take Kirk, you, you, this you, year, this year, right Kirk, now, in the first Kirk, five games, in, in, in the first Sorry. five, in the first five games, if you were to ask me, Speedy, in the first five games, honestly, for for what the numbers you see, who do you take? I would take I would take Wentz over. Uh, 
I would say Wentz for sure over Carr, especially because when you look at Carr, 61.4 is another big completion percentage number, and his rating is not far off either. And even the advanced rating, 57.2 comparatively, that's a tough one. Now, Wentz has the advanced rating bad too, 38.2, which isn't great either. But the way that the Raiders have more weapons, even though Renfro's been hurt a lot, they have more Who's weapons Who's Wentz throwing to so. but McLaurin? Dotson's a rookie. Dotson's been hurt too. And then the, and then Who do they have? And then they got – and then they got Antonio Gibson's solid pass he's, catching back. He's but, a running back. Yeah, but he's a good pass they catching have nobody. back. nobody. Yeah, that offensive line is pitiful where Wentz, who doesn't have the mobility as it is, that's a big part of his game when you're getting rushed right away, plus all the injuries that he had. So, I, I, so I don't I would say that. considering the circumstances, I think Wentz has outplayed Carr for sure this year. And I was, again, Derek Carr is somebody that I've liked for a while. Derek Carr's got more, what, much more weapons than he does. And he's outplayed him for the, for the sake of this year. Both of them, I would say, have bad coaching. So that, But still, Wentz, I think, it, yeah, granted. Ron Rivera should be fired, okay? He has been horrible for the commanders. Right, but he's still oh, a better coach than Josh McDaniels is. I don't know about that. I met Ron uh, in Miami. Very nice guy. All right, Kenny. What's up, Kenny? Welcome right. to Sports Loudmouths. What would you like to talk about? Uh, you guys were wrong about Green Bay game. What, what were we wrong about? That the Green Bay would win. I they think, I first of all, everybody and their mother thought Green Bay was going to win. Okay, except you, because okay, you're a Giant I, I, fan. I, did, I, I went along for the picks, because you guys were live. If you were live, I would have said, yeah, they're not going to win. Okay. Okay, so so who did Giants playing this week? Ravens. Ravens. Ravens yeah. right. All right. All right. So, so let's make a bet. Okay. At home. We should have made a bet last week. Now let's make a bet now. How, <sighs> how much you want to bet that the Ravens wipe the floor with the Giants this week? Not going to make that bet. Why not? <laughs> I think the Giants have a better chance of winning than the Ravens. You think the Giants have a better chance of beating the Ravens than the Ravens have against the Giants? Yeah, you're on you're on drugs, but okay. So what what would you like to bet on that? I don't want to bet. Uh, you don't want to bet because the you, bet is basically I think I'm right. That's right. the bet. All right. No money exchange. Uh, okay, uh, Kenny. Not only are the Ravens going to beat the Giants, they're going to beat them up this week. They're I going think there's to... a better chance of Green Bay beating the hell out of the Jets. Really? It's a Lambo, and that's going to be embarrassment. How? 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 I know you hate the Jets. How are they going to do that? Who do they have that could throw against the Jets' corners? Who do they have? They have Rodgers. Rodgers is Who do they have? Quarterback. Who do they have right now? Gardner right now is a top 10 corner in the league. D, uh, DJ Reed, right? He is a top 10 corner in the league. All right? So you have two top 10 corners on your same team. Lazar is probably going to be taken by one of them. I'm Who's not the other? I'm talking about the Ravens game. I'm talking about the, the Jets are getting killed I, I, against Green Bay. I just, gonna, he's I, listing I, Packers, Kenny. I'm, I'm listing the Packers right now. Who okay. do they have that they're going to get open that they're going to be able to score besides their tight end? Who? Who? They're going to have to run the ball a lot in this game. And the Jets are going to have to give them the running space to do it. So how are they going to win? There's going to have to be some trickery. I think Aaron Aaron Rodgers is going to have to run the ball a lot more than we have. Aaron Jones receiving is going to be key. Aaron Jones receiving. There's going to be a lot of trickery, screen passes. The Jets have a better chance of beating Green Bay this week than the Giants do against Baltimore. Let's be honest. How are you going to sit here and tell me that? I mean, right now, 
I I I would think that the the, the Baltimore Ravens are going to have at least three to four points going into this game. They're going to have three to four points on the betting line, at least. Yeah, at least. Yeah, but did you betting guys know last week when you were doing all that statistics and all that that Green Bay oh, has please. never played England? Never. Uh, we know that, Kenny. I mean, what that doesn't you, mean the trip back selling is going to, to be easy for them either. <laughs> you selling right, that but, to us? Uh, well, so far they're zero and one in England. Okay, and <laughs> and a team coming back from England—that's a lot of travel lag that they're going to have to deal with. So that doesn't mean that doesn't mean they're all of a sudden going to bounce back against the Jets. He's funny, man. <laughs> they're all in one in England. Well, they have uh, the home edge. That's what they do have. Hey, listen, they do, but again, I, they also have the travel lag on them pretty badly. I give the Giants a lot of credit pulling off that win. It That's was true, sens- but it was a sensational win. For you to come out and say that the Giants have a better chance of beating Baltimore than the the Jets have to beat Green Bay, now you're on drugs. Because if you look at both teams, it, it's the Jets definitely have a chance to win this week. Do I think they're going to win this week? I don't see Aaron Rodgers losing two games in a row. I, I There's something that tells me I can't see it. But maybe I'm wrong, okay? But for you to think that the Giants are going to – beat Baltimore this week? I don't know about that. Now, Wink Martindale knows the offense. He does. But John Harbaugh also knows Wink Martindale. And, so and John Harbaugh <laughs> knows Wink Martindale. So uh, so th- that's the only advantage that the Giants might have in this game is Wink versus John Harbaugh. That's it. The Ravens also really do well at stopping the run, which could make it hard for Saquon, who got hurt at the and end of the game. And Daniel Jones, so. who likes to use his legs. Yeah, that's the matchup I really don't like. I think it's. I think the Giants could actually, because they have outside rushing, could do a good job at containing Lamar Jackson. But I worry about them stopping the, the running backs themselves because they've had trouble and with ben, that in recent ben, weeks. Ben is writing uh, writing right now that Rodgers won't lose two games. Of, and I agree yeah, with Lamar you. Jackson. I don't see it good. happening. But again. The Jets are a better team than the Giants. The Jets are built better than the Giants are. They have more weapons than the Giants do. Uh, the Giants don't have a player like Garrett Wilson. The Giants don't have a player yeah. like like even Elijah Moore. And the Giant and the Packers look at how open freaking Darius. I Slate mean, Corey da- Corey Davis would be the Giants' number one. He's the number three on the Jet the Jets. Okay, so uh, they don't have those type of weapons. So. Yeah, yeah. Do I think the Jets have a chance of beating beating the Green Bay Packers? Yeah. Do I think they will? Probably not. The Probably only reason not. why is because of Aaron Rodgers. That's it. That's it. Here's the other X factor too: the two brothers coaching against each other, Matt versus Michael Fleur. That's another thing, and and, and we'll uh, know more of that than the other. <laughs> and and by by the way, uh, Robert Sala was is Matt Lafleur's best friend and his best man of his wedding. So. That's going to be an interesting matchup, too, because they know each other so very well. So it will be interesting to watch. It really well, what will. What did the expert pick, Mr. Derek, for this week in those? Our picks are tomorrow, Kenny. You have to listen. You have okay, to listen I'll to Derek. Derek will be on live tomorrow. Derek will be on the video tomorrow. So your expert. All right, that, that will be worth tuning in tomorrow. That's well, what right. is our records this week? I didn't look yet. I'm going to look tomorrow. I don't know how we did. It was a really crazy week. A lot of crazy things happened with our picks. I think I was on with a couple of picks. I, 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 I know you. I got the Ravens right. We both picked the Bengals. So yes. you're definitely you definitely have an edge there. Yeah, I, I didn't look at the rest though. But uh, there was a lot of different things. I didn't think the Giants were going to win, but nobody did. No, I didn't either. Nobody did. 
I, I think that you have to I give the Giants a lot of credit. I'm like, well, you know, that's what the experts think. But what? during the game, I definitely did. I'm listen, like, go. Listen, go. listen. You are a Giant fan. You are an expert to think that the Giants are going to win all the time, Kenny Benny. No, I'm not thinking that. I'm like, right when they sacked him that first time, and I'm like, they keep up with Rodgers. They tie Rodgers. They might have a chance in this game, or they might not. Listen, when it was 20-10 to 10 going into the second half, nobody and their mother thought the Giants were going to come back in that game. Okay? Nobody. Because everybody thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to pull away. All right? Everybody. Aaron Rodgers cool. probably believed he was going to pull away. But they, it was, there was a lot of mistakes. They put a lot of pressure on him. They were blitzing him. They were using packages that he didn't see coming. And they threw him off. And by the way, they blocked his last two passes. Who would have thought that? Aaron Rodgers sure. never gets his, usually never gets his passes blocked. And they had it back-to-back times. Mm-hmm. So things like that sure happen. That any given Sunday, any team can be any team. Yes, of course. And this year it's proven that. Look at what's going on in the NFL. There's one undefeated team. And they, they honestly, they're undefeated from from stupidity from Arizona last week. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, we're looking at you. I mean, if, if yeah, that Kingsbury, was another one you got right because I picked that upset. If Kingsbury didn't make that stupid call at the end of the game, I think Kyler Murray and Arizona win in overtime. I think it happens. I, I just think that Kingsbury's an idiot. A lot so, of stuff is chalked up to bad calls. Listen, you know, uh, what they need to do is, you know, run after geese, you know. I think I think we need to – to uh, listen, let's hook you up with a geese, a, a woman geese. Would you like that? What? If we hooked you up with a woman goose. Yes, I would love that. You you would? You would you would date a goose? <laughs> well, no. no. I just, that's what I just asked you. I, I said I, I would not date a goose. But I just – I just said I would hook you up with a she goose, and and would you date her? No. <laughs> you can't find a human woman to date me. No. All right. All right let's, a let's couple, let's a couple slug a couple slug questions. Uh, what is your favorite flavor of wax? Please. Uh, I like the oil. So yeah. Yeah, but the, he's asking what's your favorite flavor. Uh, oil is usually clear. So there's we no know it's clear. What is your favorite Why? flavor? Everything clear has the same taste whatsoever. I don't know. I have to ask the guy. Hold on, hold on one second. You don't know what you're smoking. You're just smoking it. Yeah. <laughs> so you just grab. You just grab anything that looks like wax <laughs> and smoke it. <laughs> I don't know. Shatter is a good one. Okay. Uh, Slug also asked, "Do you have a girlfriend?" Not this time. Not this time. Not at this time. I love you, Kenny. You are a personality by itself. You're definitely an interesting cat. Maybe we need to hook you up. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll set something up on our social medias and maybe get you a girl. Maybe we'll get you a blind right. date. Uh, blind when, date? Uh, when are you uh, signing Mr. Booney? Aaron Boone? No, no. Joe. Is that still under wraps? Oh, your guy? We, we haven't talked to Joe. We, we'll we'll okay. speak to Joe, but I, I would like to do something with Joe. Maybe put Joe on our network. Why not on Saturdays? Okay, negotiations are still under wraps for that, I guess. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Snug also asks, Taco Bell or McDonald's? Uh, neither. Neither. I had to make a choice McDonald's. I'm not a fan of Taco Bell. Mm. Mm. He also says Kenny would get a date before the beef. 
and then dial a date for Kenny. Yes, Stunk, that would be something that you would, I would be love to do. I Could know. you imagine Kenny dating the beef? Could you imagine that? Oh God. That would be a good that would be a good hookup. What do you think? You can enjoy it. I addressed the I dressed the beef as a, a female. Do you think do you think Kenny would be interested? Alright, Kenny, would you would would you go on board with that, having the beef dressed as a female? No. <laughs> we love you, Kenny. Thank you for calling, bud. Has to be a real female. Remember that. I I got gotcha. you. I'm gonna hook you up, man. I'm gonna hook All right, you up. man. I'm gonna hook you up, Kenny. We'll be in touch. I'll talk to you guys later. Listen to the show tomorrow, bud. Yes, you All right, to, you I have will. to hear Derek's pick. I love Remember? Kenny. I will. I know. I got you, Ken. I got I, you. I, I I have the bell on, so I know when you guys go live. There I you go, Kenny. Show. There you go. Good job. All right, Kenny. you guys stay stay uh, stay geese. Say goose. Do do well. I mean, be well. Be well. Do well. Don't smoke wax. Stay in school. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Kenny. Kenny uh, from White Plains. There you go. Good old Kenny. Snuggle's favorite caller. Oh, Snuggle also asked, uh, does the beef put on a house dress every day after work? I have no idea. I have never asked the, the beef that. You know, but it would be interesting to see Kenny go on a date. And why don't we hook him up? I, I think that'd be good. Let's set him up with a Tinder. What do you think? Snug, that seems like something you would want to do. I think that'd be cool, setting him up with a Tinder. What do you, what do you guys think? What do, what do all the fans think? If we hooked at, or we set up Kenny a Tinder, how many girls do you think could hit him up? You get the best pictures. We'll get four or five top pictures of Ken on his social medias and post it up. Get Kenny <laughs> hashtag get Kenny laid. That's all right. So like, there you, I, we trust That's you funny. to be in control of getting Kenny on Kenny on Tinder. Yeah, that would be cool. Hell yes, he says. What did he say? He is saying call during a time you cannot. Oh, hell yes. to himself. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Anyways, um, <sighs> so Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Um. We'll get into the Jordan Poole thing tomorrow, um, obviously, because that's not such a big story. Who cares? Uh, uh, the Panthers firing Matt Rule. Uh, that's an interesting story, owing him about 12 to $15 million. First of all, they overpaid this guy. I think he was an absolute bust. Uh, he's going back to college football. He is probably never going to um, – I, I don't see him coaching again in the NFL. That's just my opinion. I think they've seen enough of what he likes to do offensively and defensively that doesn't work in the NFL. I I do believe that that will be the last time we see Matt Rule in the NFL. He's just not – he's like – the fact that Adam Gase got another job was surprising. (laughs) I I think he's another Adam Gase. I I think Adam Gase has been more successful than he was. Adam Gase in Miami was fine. Like, he he wasn't great. He had certainly had years that you were saying, all right, the players didn't like him. His scheme was definitely questionable at times. But Adam Gase's worst year in Miami was 7-9. and (laughs) Matt Rule hasn't had a 7-9 and season yet. His his best season was the uh, 6-10 and or 6-11 and in the long season, I forget. But that was his best year. And I think the Panthers probably had a little more talent than any of Adam Gase's Dolphins teams right now. The Dolphins had a lot of overpaid free agents, and uh, they had some star power, but not an overly great team. So I can definitely see that. It just seems with the type of coach Matt Rule was building programs up with Temple and with Baylor, it definitely seemed like it was kind of the opposite when he got to the NFL where he got the big money and kind of decided to have a very opposite approach after that. And the team, I think, has drafted well for the most part, especially on defense, but the, uh, he just really hasn't gotten it going together with the coaching. I, I know a lot of Jet fans are sitting here today, and they're probably 
you know, they're jumping for joy, excited uh, about what they saw on Sunday. And you should be. I think this is the first time for the New York Jets and where their position where they have a chance if Buffalo loses against Kansas City and the Jets surprise the world and knock off the Green Bay Packers, the Jets could absolutely be the number one seed in the the AFC East. They really could. They could jump Frog over the Miami Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills if things you know start to fall together. But I will say this: they played a third string quarterback on Sunday. They did. Now, you still played a Miami Dolphins defense that's very good. They still played Waddle. They still played Tyreek Hill. And, and, and by the way, Gardner and DJ Reed completely shut down both guys. I don't care who's at quarterback. The fact that you could shut down two of the best wide receivers in the NFL in the first five weeks says a lot about what your corners could do. And maybe the Jets are starting to figure things out defensively. That was the best defensive game the Jets had. And the Jets have been a fourth-quarter team. They really have. They are one of the top three fourth-quarter teams in the NFL. They have scored more fourth-quarter points than any team in the NFL this year. That says a lot about the team. Maybe they believe. And, 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 and really, Robert Sala coming out, a couple of weeks ago, and I was one of the guys that took shots at him, saying that he'll be taking receipts. The Jets haven't proved anything yet. They haven't been able to stop a top-end quarterback in the NFL. This week, they have a chance. If they can go into Green Bay, Lambeau Field, and knock off Aaron Rodgers in a very hostile place, that says a lot about this Jet team. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I will say this. I don't see Aaron Rodgers losing back-to-back games. I don't know. And Kenny keeps saying it's a lot of luck. It wasn't luck why the Jets won on Sunday. No, 40, 40 to 17 not was luck. not no, luck. No. I don't think I don't think Teddy Bridgewater makes up 23 points. No yeah, way. Skylar Thompson is not even special. Tua. Not even Tua. Skylar Thompson is nobody thought he's an NFL quarterback. He was a good college quarterback could run, but he never was a great they thrower. They couldn't they couldn't stop Brees Hall. I think the game planning for Miami was really bad too and I they didn't expose the slot areas like I thought they should have taken advantage of against the Jets. They kept throwing to the outside for whatever reason. And yeah, the quarterback doesn't something to do with it. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater makes the game close probably, but I, it's not I don't think it, they win because the Dolphins defense didn't look good either. The Jets haven't given up 40 points in a game yet this year. And the fact that the Jets scored 40 against the Dolphins with Tua with Bridgewater it wouldn't have mattered. You're still playing with the same team. So, honestly, what the Jets did in in game number four for this team, I mean, game number five for this team, was they played hard. They believed in each other. And Quentin Williams had his one of his best games. Yeah. He really looked like a, a beast of a man. I thought it was very, really reassuring that this team is starting to figure things out. Carl Lawson played well. Your defense, you know, obviously started to do the things that you wanted them to do early in the season. And now I believe Zach Wilson is figuring things out. He's scoping the field. He's not throwing the ball away. He's not forcing the ball into places. Listen, he didn't have one of those 
breakout games. I mean, if you look at Zach, let's speedy, go to Zach Wilson's numbers. They weren't ridiculous numbers, but you saw, you've seen the growth of Zach Wilson from, from week one to week two. 210 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interception, 99.3 rating, 66.7. Those are great numbers. You don't need to throw touchdowns when you have a running game that good. You don't need to do that. Ben says, a fired NFL coach is the best job in America. Matt Rule will make $834,000 a month for the next 48 months, courtesy of the Carolina Panthers. What you see right now is this team starting to figure things out. And if they continue figuring things out and Zach figures out how to get Garrett Wilson the ball and Elijah Moore stops dropping the ball with Corey Davis and Conklin, I I think that this offense is going to be very explosive and very fun to watch because the offensive line, with all the injuries they have, they have so much depth. And and Dwayne Brown now back, even though with the hurt shoulder, he'll have shoulder surgery at the end of the season no matter what happens. He'll be back next year because they have him for another year. They they still have Max Mitchell coming back. They still have Font coming back. You move Elijah Vera Tucker to the right side, who is almost at ninety some odd percent of every you know every pass rushing numbers. I mean, every single one of those guys had almost ninety percent in the pass rush. And what that shows you is if they can keep Zach Wilson on his feet, that gives you a chance to win every week. And Zach Wilson didn't panic either. Zach Wilson. No, the, the Dolphins were able to do a good job with their outside corners of being able to contain Garrett Wilson in particular. Elijah Moore, some of it was him dropping passes. But again, the, the game plan was definitely looking to get those receivers involved. But when that didn't work in the first half, he really did a good job adjusting. And using Brees Hall as a receiver oh, was the biggest key. Fantastic. And I think also using those slot areas that the Dolphins didn't use. You you listen to what Shane Hollum said, that he believes that's, uh, that – Brees Hall will be a top five running back in the NFL yeah. by the end of the season. Mm. And, and that says a lot about a rookie running. This guy is a rookie. He is a rookie, and people are already saying that this guy could be a top five running back in the league by the end of the year. If the Jets have a weapon like that, which they haven't had a weapon like that since Curtis Martin, okay? They have not had a weapon like that. And then you have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. And Corey Davis, you have all these different weapons. Not only is this offense going to be more explosive, it's going to open up the field for Mike LaFleur to call plays. It's going to make them even more dangerous. And the, the scary part of this team is the weakness has been their strength for the last 15 years, and that's the defense. And they're stopping the run still, too. The Miami could not run the ball very they well couldn't, in this but game. They couldn't, but as, as you play a Green Bay Packer team that has two really good running backs and – Jones, who I'm not a big fan of, and uh, Dylan. Dylan, who's a guy that can run and he likes to run through the line. Uh, it, it's going to be very challenging for yeah. the the New York Jets this week. And, yeah. and Quint Williams is going to have an opportunity to show himself again this year. Listen, Quint Williams is going to be asking for a lot of money in the offseason. Are the Jets going to pay him? If he plays like he did against Miami, he is going to make every penny count. And I, I think ever since he yelled at his defensive line coach, he's been a different player. And I think you see what he can do. And and I I wanted to see this because a lot of people tried to compare his skills to Aaron Donald. I don't think he's Aaron Donald. No. But he could be dominant. If, if he could stop the run the way he did 
on Sunday and get to the quarterback and give you seven to eight sacks every single year, you're the one, one of the top defensive linemen in the league. You deserve every penny that you get. He's still very young. He's 24 years old. He's still a baby. He still has a chance to become an elite player at his position. Yeah, and again, he still has enough upside to be, make that kind of thing work. Even later in the contract, too, the contract itself is going to be very interesting the way they do that if they want to make it front-heavy, back-heavy, whatever. But his upside is definitely still there, and he's making the other guys on that defense around him better, better. too. Mm-hmm. And collectively speaking, that's what they've needed. Miami, yeah, Raheem Mostert rushed for 113 yards, but most of that was on two runs in the second half. They weren't overly consistent, and that's a good sign for the Jets' run defense, too, led by Quinn Williams, because a lot of the other guys have been very inconsistent this year with Sheldon Rankins and Franklin Myers. They played a little Who played bit. played very well this yeah, game, they, too. They, this, game they, Myers this, this game he played well, but for the most part, still inconsistent. And Made a lot of mistakes the game the li- the, the linebacker play they're having to drop him into coverage in those slot areas too. So sometimes they're coming with a four-man rush and more of a reactionary type run defense. And Jet fans, how many times could you say the last, I would say the last time we've heard this, when was the last time the Jets have won two games in a row? Mm -hmm. Okay. And has a chance to win three. I mean, if the Jets could win three in a row and go to Lambeau and beat the Green Bay Packers, that is, you're you're talking about a four-and-two record Going in, you have one more game before you go into. I think do they go into the bye week the, the week the week after? Mm. I think after this week they go into their bye week. I do. I, I, or they play no. They play the Patriots. No, their bye week. Their bye week is in November. They November. their bye week is after the okay. first of the Bills game. So they got the Packers. This is their this is their tough stretch on the road. Packers and Broncos back to back. They'll the beat the Broncos. I, I think they will too. But the uh, then they're home against the Patriots and the home against the Bills and then it's their bye week. I think. Listen, if they can win two out of the four games, you're going into your bye week with five wins. And who would have thought that the Jets would have five wins going? And their their schedule gets easier at the end of the season. You're talking about six or seven games where they can compete and win. The Jets could have a chance. I'm not. It's crazy to sound. If they win, if they win five games going into that bye week, you're talking about the Jets possibly winning. They have five wins there. If they win six, they win 11 games. Yeah, which probably is top end a wild card team. They could win 11 games this year, and they could get into the playoffs. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I would be very happy if the Jets win eight games this year. I would be happy because I think it's next year where we're, we're going to see the transition of this team being a, a top elite team in the NFL because that's another year with Brees Hall. Another year with Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson, I believe, will be his third year will be his transition year where we expect a lot of changes and we'll see elite play at his position. I think we're seeing it now. I think we've seen growth in Zach Wilson. That's all you want to see in a second. Josh Allen, we saw him take that leap in his second year. Not a big leap, but a little leap. It was his third year that really transitioned his career. I think it's always the third year for these quarterbacks. I think it's going to be Zach Wilson's third year where we're going to see elite play at his position because he'll know the offense, he'll know his players, and knows where they like to be. So I I think that, you know, if you're a Jet fan right now, you should be very excited. Now, does that mean that the Jets are, are going to surprise people in some of these games this year? I don't know. Honestly, I'd bet say no more than yes. But again, if they win seven, eight games this year, that is a win 
for this Jets organization. That's a win. Now, I think they want to win nine or ten games and surprise the world. I, I think the Jets are a year away from that. I do. And I, I think they have a lot. They, they'll have, even if they sign Quentin Williams in the offseason and give him $20 million a year, I think they have $50 million off the books in the offseason. They have to sign Kawan Alexander again. He's going to want a two- or three-year extension. He's only going to get like four or five million a year. You know what I mean? That's what he's going to get. So I think the Jets is still going to have 28, 29 million. They can add another free agent to this roster that can maybe another pass rusher that can help out on the corners where they're weak in. So I think, and they they have all their picks next year. And by the way, in the last two years, I mean, Joe Judge has been pretty elite with his picks, especially this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this could go down as one of the greatest drafts the Jets have ever – one of the greatest drafts any team's ever had. Remember remember the Cowboys when they had Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, yeah. and uh, Michael Irvin in the same draft? Yep. I, if Garrett That's the Wilson, Herschel Walker. <laughs> if Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, and Bryce Hall turn into elite players at their position <laughs> – I mean, it's a it's a great draft, and and then Max Mitchell is serviceable, yeah. who could be your starting tackle in the future, uh, and Clemens could be a a, a, a guy that's going to give you seven eight sacks a game, I mean a season, and then I don't know Jermaine Johnson turning into something too, which they haven't only used him for third downs in certain you know he, I think he's only played on him he he's still not ready to get on the field when Jermaine Johnson starts to to peak, could you imagine what this what we're going to be talking about this draft and Elijah Moore the year before that drafted Zach Wilson turns into the player. I mean, this could be the rebuilding of a dynasty of an organization where I'm not saying winning dynasty, but a dynasty where they're competitive, something they haven't been for such a long time. And and as far as the Giants concerned, bravo to Dable and what he did in that game, the I will say Wink is going to get a coaching job. Yeah. I really do believe that. I, I I don't know how anybody has turned this guy down. I, I think Wink Martindale is a crazy guy. He reminds me of Wade Phillips, okay? He's a guy that is, is so defensively savvy, and he, he's got that stomach like Rex Ryan. He was, he's a funny guy in the sidelines. He's very emotional, mean, aggressive. For what he has done with this defense this year, has been absolutely remarkable with the injuries they've had, with the rookies they've had. The Giants defense is right now ranked in almost every single st- – their statistics are in, amongst the league's top 12 in all of football. It is – it's crazy. For a guy – for – by the way, Thibodeau, uh, who's the other kid that they have? Ojolari. Oh, he, he didn't play against the Packers. Uh, uh, right. And Ojolari hasn't played. He's played one game this whole year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Thibodeau just started playing. Their rookie. Who's, by the way, played very well. <laughs> he, uh, he, he had that big block in, in, in the fourth quarter, which yeah. was one of the blocks. Yeah, he had one last week, too. Uh, he tipped it. He, 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 he kind of messed up with the, uh, with the ruling of that he's play. Rookie. But, he's a rookie. Yeah, he's going to make mistakes. But he also recovered a fumble. that So... He, he struggled the first game against Dallas. The last two, he's played well, and that's a good I, sign. I think he's going to be a good player. I think if you're a Giant fan, you you would think that he's going to be a good player. So um, what we're going to do is we're not going to recap uh, the week. We'll do it tomorrow because 
Uh, we the whole show is going to be really football tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk a little baseball. Um, I will say this: um, congratulations to the Philadelphia Phillies pulling off um, a win against the Cardinals. I don't think anybody thought that was going to happen, except maybe me. And I didn't think they were going to match. I didn't think they were going to match up with the Cardinals, and that's why I thought the Cardinals were going to go all the way. But I, I, there was something telling me that the Phillies were a destined team. And I, I'll tell you this right now: the Philly, the Atlanta Braves are up three to nothing right now against the Phillies in this game. They play one more game in Atlanta, and then they go back to Philadelphia. If Philadelphia can win another game, this series is over. Because Atlanta's not going. Do they go back to Philadelphia now? Two games. Two games, and they go so back the, to Atlanta for game five. Oh, all right, so they're going back to Philadelphia. If I think Philadelphia can win both those games. They could. And, and Wheeler was their best pitcher, and he was on the mound tonight. Right. I mean, he gave up uh, you know a couple of runs in this game, but... I know only one was charged to him, though. He gave up a couple of base runners in the sixth inning. Mm. So, all, but again, he's been great in all the postseason starts so far, mm-hmm. which is good for consistency. Now, Nola's going to get the second game, the third, first game in Philly, third game of this series. Now, his consistency has been kind of wacky throughout his career, but pitched well against the Cardinals, too, so that's a good sign. And then they're going to have to find it from a fourth starter, whether that be Kyle Gibson or Suarez pitching again. I don't know if he'll pitch. He's just pitched in game one. So that'll be the question mark that they'll have to look at. But if they could hit the Braves' starters the way they have, that could be a good sign for them. I, I've been very impressed with baseball right now, and I, I think uh, Manford has an opportunity this year to see some crazy things happen in the playoffs. I, I, I Nobody would have thought that the Braves were going to win. Nobody. Um, maybe the Phillies pull it off. They they somehow beat the Braves, and you see the Braves. Uh, you see the Philadelphia Phillies versus I don't know. Um, maybe not the Dodgers. Padres. Maybe the Padres. Padres Phillies. I had the Padres upset. We'll see if that comes in, and then uh, the Braves and the, and the Padres or the Phillies and the Padres would be after what the Padres did, trading away all their future. I, you would hope. Who do we have on the phone? Nah, some whoever was hung up. <laughs> but uh, it, it's been fun. It, it's been fun. I mean, watching Houston come back, even though I didn't want to see that, but no, nah. that was it was a sensational comeback. It really was, and I, I I hope that Seattle series goes five games and Seattle gives them a challenge. But uh, losing a game like that, that's hard. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, I think I, I had the Astros in five, but I did think Seattle was going to win game one. I'm surprised their bullpen, which is very deep, kind of like we were saying with Cleveland. They're, they are a very deep bullpen. That was definitely surprising the way they squandered that lead. And, yeah, the Astros bullpen statistically has been the best in baseball so far this year, but that we've seen Seattle still be able to hit off them. Usually – Seattle struggled mostly during the regular season. It was off the the Astros starters, not as much their bullpen. So definitely an odd one. That that series, I, I do expect it to go five. The only one I didn't pick to go five is the Yankees. I had them winning in four, but the other all the other ones. I, I don't. Had. I don't know what's going to happen with the Yankees series. And if they win, if they win one more game in New York, if they win that game on Friday, I think this series goes four games, like you said, yeah. Speedy. But uh, if the Yankees lose, this could go five games. Yeah. I, I think Cleveland is dangerous. It, it depends on what level of offense they can get because they're the only team that really won just really solely based on the pitching. Everyone else at least had some level of offense that won in that first round. The, the Padres hit well against the Mets. The Phillies didn't hit a lot in game uh, game two, but hit a lot in game one against the Cardinals. And then 
and and then Seattle obviously hitting like crazy against Toronto the way they did coming back in that game in game two. It's been very impressive what Cleveland has done this year. So yeah, if Cleveland can get any lick of offense, that would be a definitely a big boost because it's going to be very hard for them to be able to just do it just on the pitching because eventually it's going to wear out well, over time. Now Terry Francona has done a fantastic job at managing that over the last four years, really, when a lot of their core pitchers have either been gotten hurt or gotten Is traded. Is Jason C- Giambi still a coach on the bench? I'm not sure, but Terry Francona, I think, has done well when it comes to getting the young pitchers in the best position to make it work. Somebody like Tristan McKenzie, who was a young prospect, who was a good prospect for a while, that came up last year, was kind of inconsistent last year and then inconsistent at the beginning of the season this year. But now pitching in that kind of role has really made it work for him. Plesak and Savale, the guys that pitched well last year, struggled this year too. Now they're getting them in the works. And then Shane Bieber is just doing his thing. But the bullpen was really all a lot of the trades they made. We talked with Matt Fontana a couple times, and he was saying how they made a lot of good trades with a lot of those players. And a lot That's where a lot of their bullpen has came from and why they so deep this year. So if they could fight any level of offense, it's definitely possible. But first three games, they only have three runs combined. So, yeah, or four runs combined. So definitely not promising. Well, he's not with the Cleveland uh, in, Cleveland Guardians anymore. He's coaching T-ball right now. <laughs> nice. But I remember when he, at one point, they were talking about him being the lead guy for a job, you know, in the majors. I was very surprised. I could believe that, yeah. I'm very surprised that he's not managing right now or like even minor leagues or something like that. It's very surprising. Well, the White Sox job is open, so. Well, he did. Well, he didn't play with the White Sox, but no, I don't think so. No, he, no. Well, well, Oakland, Oakland, and the Yankees. He bumped around. He did play with Cleveland too, and a bunch of other teams. But yeah, I don't think he ever played with the White Sox. Yeah, well, I will say something about Aaron Boone, and this is a big year for Aaron Boone because yep, um, he had a great season. As, as a manager again, and I, I think Brian Cashman had it right when he fired Joe Girardi, and they decided to part- they didn't fire him. They parted ways after the contract, but it was like a firing, and I think Joe Girardi and fans were very surprised when they decided to move away from Joe, but Joe won one World Series in the 11 years that he was there, and he, in his first five years, didn't have the record, and by the way, uh, uh, Atlanta got out of that inning, so yeah. I think Riley this... made a great catch on the foul on the foul territory tarp area, and then uh, just got a strikeout at Glacius. To finish up, I, I just want to say that Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone has been very good in the regular season, not so good in the playoffs. And it, maybe if the Yankees got out of that series against Houston, it could have been different. It uh, could have changed, but. Um, you know, it is what it is. Cheat or no cheat, it, they, they lost. And hopefully now where the Yankees are positioned and they put themselves, they have a very good chance this year to make a run. And even with the weak bullpen that they have. So, uh, and has a lot to do with what Cashman has done. And you have to give a lot of credit to the managing because this team all season long has been fighting injury after injury. Look, DJ LeMayu is not even in the lineup. No. He might not even play until the ALCS. Maybe not even play in the ALCS. Yeah, if it's a shorter series, yeah, and they, there's a lot of there's a lot of time, not a lot of time in between the games because all of a sudden baseball's trying to cram everything together for whatever reason. Everyone's playing back to back. The National League games are all straightforward. You're talking so, about one of the best hitters yeah. on the Yankees. So you're looking playing. at a case where if they, say the Yankees even even they win it quickly, like a sweeper four game series, they might have it scheduled right away, and Lemayhew still might not be ready for that kind of thing. No. And it's still up in the air with Lemayo. So uh, it's 
it's so interesting in the position that the Yankees are in where if you're a Yankee fan, are you worried about Cleveland? I would only worry about Cleveland if you're going back 1-1 and the Yankees got killed on Thursday or Friday because I all you need to do is give this team confidence as we saw in the wild card game. Now, did anybody think Cleveland was going to win that series? Nope, I didn't. I thought Tampa was going to kill them. I think Tampa's the better overall team. And I, honestly, if the Tampa Bay Rays matched up against the Yankees, they beat the Yankees because I think they match up better against the Yankees. So are the Yankees lucky to play Cleveland? Yeah. The, Cleveland got hot, and they didn't give up any runs. Their pitching was dominant. Right. And there are cases where they got so hot at the end of the year, too, that it was very it would have been very hard to win the way they did if they didn't win with just the pitching on its own because the bats went really cold and against the Tampa Bay Rays, too. So they really just the Rays just happen to be more hurt or their offense still hasn't recovered yet from all the injuries they've had throughout the year and really hasn't got that identity yet. So they ended up getting lucky in that. Not lucky, but they ended up benefiting in that case where that kind of thing we've seen it hurt teams initially coming out of the bye weeks too, except for the Yankees. The Yankees were really the only one. Yeah, they started a little slow offensively, but their pitching didn't. Houston had to come back to beat Seattle. Phillies beat the Braves, so the Braves got hurt by it a little bit. The Dodgers was kind of up and down, but still not great. So Cleveland definitely with those big kind of streaks, they're going to have to find some kind of offensive identity to make it work because they were too hot and steamed out all at once, but their pitching did with just enough against the race. So everybody knows the Knicks win their final preseason game. I think they play three preseason games. They're two and one. They end uh, the preseason pretty good record. I mean, two and one's not bad. Um, I think Jalen Brunson's going to play a big part of where the Knicks go this year. I, I uh, He's looked really, really good. I've, Read some stories that uh, Julius Randle says they finally have a point guard that actually can make plays and make everybody around them better. Um, we'll see how this team does against the, the elite teams in the uh, the Eastern Conference. I still think they need another piece. They yeah. they need a they need a big name to come over here and play with Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. If they can get a big name here and without giving away pieces, and we don't know what Grimes is because. By the way, Grimes is hurt right now, and uh, Nick fans are booing this because if Grimes is the guy on the reason why they didn't get you-know-who. Yep. And they decided, because they were willing to trade R.J. Barrett. They were willing to give away their best young player for him. And now the only reason why they didn't want to make the trade was because of Grimes. Grimes is definitely going to have to prove himself this year to the Nick fans. Because the Knicks fans are not going to sit back and say, well, Grimes is all right this year. He is going to have to take two steps forward. And and there was something that the Knicks organization saw in this kid that I guess we haven't seen yet. I know he was one of the best players in the the, uh, summer league, but that's a summer league. Let's see him do it in the NBA against elite teams. If somehow the Knicks found this guy and he was a steal in the 20s, the way they drafted him, well, you know, Rose and Wesley and the Knicks organization, they see something that we didn't. I mean, they drafted Obi Toppin. He looks like he's going to be a player. And, and quickly, he has proven that he is a player. I think he's one of the best bench players in the league. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter because of his size. Yeah, and also when they tried him as a point guard, he wasn't great. He's better as just a two off the bench. I think he's a two off the bench, and yeah. if you can if you can get you know twelve to fourteen points from him every game, 
You're getting what you need out of them. That's what you need from your bench. So it's going to be very interesting uh, to see what happens, you know, as the season progressively moves uh, in the beginning and where the Knicks are going to be. I think the Knicks think that they're going to be competitive. It remains to be seen. One guy, I just it's hard to believe that one guy is going to change the luck of the draw of this organization. Yeah, because that always works for the Knicks. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't even an elite point guard in this league. No. He's a good point guard. Rising point guard. Yeah, he's a good and he's young. But is he enough to take this team to that level where they, you know, the first year with Thibodeau where they were the fourth seed? Yeah. I don't know. This is the best point guard they've had. And if Derrick Rose, which I don't know if he's played so far. I think he's been benched. I, I haven't seen Rose yet. Rose has not played. Why isn't he on the roster right here? Maybe he's on IR or something or whatever he the might NBA be. equivalent is of that. Because I don't know. Rose is still on the team. He's still on the contract. He's still on the team, yeah. just a, Yeah, maybe – I don't know what the NBA equivalent of IR is, whatever that is listed as because maybe they're trying to protect him at that point because so they could – he could pay, he could play longer term because he also could be used, even if he doesn't play, as a valuable mentor to somebody like Jalen. No, he's so, going to play. Well, no, he'll play. I'm just saying in terms of – the managing a guy that's been injury prone in the past. I'm trying to look what where's where Derrick Rose is right now. Next Derrick Rose resting Wednesday, so he he didn't play. But okay, um, I expect him to play. I expect expect him to play a big part off the bench for the Knicks. Uh, I I think you have him off the bench and you have Brunson as your starter. I mean that's pretty good, you know, point guard play. Uh, if you can get Derrick Rose to give you 14, 14 15 points a game off the bench, and Jalen Brunson is going to give you 16 points as a starter, maybe 20. I mean, you're getting enough out of your point guard position. It's the other positions that I worry about for the next. Yeah, and it's uh, their uh, coach that likes to run the veteran players into the ground and uh, not play the young players. Yeah, and Hopefully that's... he can adjust that this year. Otherwise, you're not getting in the playoffs at all. Well, I think Toppin, he, he needs the time on the field, on, on, on the court. Yep. and. I think it's time to let the young guys out there and, and play them and see what you got with the young guys. Because the, as a Nick fan, you do not want to see the same old, old pieces going out there. We know what R.J. Barrett is. They, he loves R.J. Barrett. Right. R.J. Barrett's become an elite defender at his position. Here's the problem. R.J. Barrett is not the only piece that's going to take the Knicks to the next level. They need the other pieces to succeed. Look what Denver's done. Denver uh, last year lost two of their big players. Porter and uh, Murray, Murray yeah. were out all, all, really the whole season. If they played in the playoffs on that team, I see Denver gets out of the first round. I think Denver is so underrated. They, they're they not very well respected around the league. People forget how good the Joker is. Mm-hmm. Back to so, back MVP. So it's – it's time to to really see what some of these teams could do, and maybe the the Knicks have it right. Maybe it was smart that they didn't trade away, a, you know, youth, which they've done over the years. Which obviously those players never turned into anything, but maybe these guys are something. And with the draft stock that they have for the next eight years, maybe they turn this thing around. Maybe this organization actually has something to look forward to in the future. 
That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Who do we got on, Speedy? We got one guest tomorrow at 9.30. Well, two. Uh, uh, well, yeah, two. But uh, new, new guest at 9.30, uh, NFL, ex-NFL guard. He played for the Jaguars from 2007 to 2013. Uche Waneri will be joining us, who is a college teammate of Stuart Schweigert, who we had on last week. Yeah, Stu was a nice guy. Stu was awesome. Yeah. And uh, we have Derek Mountain joining us, uh, doing our picks, as always. Derek's a good kid, and he knows his stuff, so I'm very happy to have him on. So uh, shout-out to Derek Mountain. Uh, also, shout-out to uh, Shane Hallam, uh, yes. Draft Countdown, uh, managing partner and analyst. Fantastic interview. We really appreciate you. And um, also MLB Daily Dingers and uh, Elite Sports New York writer and editor Matt Musico for joining us again. Uh, fantastic interviews. As always, boys, um, yeah, we'll have a great show lined up for you guys tomorrow, so definitely stay tuned. 9 p.m. tomorrow, guys, for all you people out there, um, you know, on the Central or, you know, or even here on the East Coast or the West Coast, uh, we are on at 9 p.m. tomorrow, not 7 p.m. So today was our early show. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into our Week 5 recap. We'll, we'll do our picks with our friend Derek Mountain. Uh, we'll see our score, where we are. And uh, where we're ranked now, uh, I think I'm. A, I, I would believe I'm ahead of everybody uh, with uh, my week this week. Speedy had an all-time great week the le- week before that, but we'll see. Speedy will count it, and we'll find out. But uh, we really appreciate you guys. Thank you, Kenny, Beave, all the people that tune in and listen to us all around the country. We really appreciate you guys as always, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.